0: Yeah, yeah. Welcome to episode twenty six of the Michael Anthony Show. Today we are joined by former super middleweight world champion, the iconic George Groves. George, thanks for coming to the show.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you
0: much. Normally, the sound engineer is in with us, but he right. kind of gets uncomfortable around yeah. celebrity. <laughs> um, I'm I'm grand though. I saw uh, Ian from Eastenders once on a flight, and I just asked him, "Was he came for the bathroom?" He said, "Yeah," and I just kind of calmly waited behind him. For the next ten minutes, but um, we're not boxing experts, myself or Connor or kind of anyone involved in the show. But there's definitely listeners who claim to be. But I kind of have a theory that boxing is kind of the one sport where the kind of armchair fans you just can't really overly have an opinion on it because, like, if you're watching football, we know what it feels like to pass a ball. We know what it feels like to kick a ball in the net. If a professional can't kick a ball twenty yards to a teammate, you can go, "What the fuck are you doing? How are you getting paid that money?" But with a boxer, I've never under- none of us know what it feels like to receive a dig in the face at 30 miles an hour. Or nobody knows that tiredness or like what it's actually like. So, kind of, in terms of being an expert, I don't really think anyone can claim to be. But in order to be a boxer, you kind of have to be an unusual guy. You have to be a bit nuts.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, to start with, you have to get over the concept of getting punched in the face, which is like you take it for granted. I remember being, being way into being an adult and it only just kind of thinking about it and then trying to put myself in someone else's shoes, which boxers don't do, you know, they're the most self absorbed people on yeah. the planet, you know, they have to be. So I'm like, yeah, I suppose that would be a bit weird. Like if you've never been punched in the face, the thought of someone punching you in the face. Insane. Whereas like, you know, for a boxer, once you once you're in the gym, you know, you've only got to be in there a couple of weeks and then that becomes the norm, you know? So uh yeah. That I feel like obviously in sport there's like there's there's passion, there's everything, but when it comes to um like emotion and, and sort of that sort of feeling, um, that's where boxing sort of comes into its own. Then it, 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 there's not many sports out there that can rival it.
0: But when you're growing up, there's certain guys when you're like seven and eight, there's certain guys who like getting in a dig up in the schoolyard. There's certain guys who. Have absolutely no interest in it like it was only five years ago when I was with a lady friend in my house and I heard a noise downstairs thinking it might be a burglar and I sent her down I just wasn't <laughs> made for it I'm absolutely frightened I kind of pretended to play rugby for like five or six years I used to kick the ball the odd time I could kind of pass off both hands but putting a knee in someone's face for me was completely foreign like did you know at six and seven that you kind of had that ridiculous courage and bravery and hardness required to take an actual punch to the face like
1: yeah, well I started um, kickboxing when I was seven because um, I, I probably I wanted to box originally, but kind of a bit young then. Like over here, you don't have competitive boxing until you're around eleven. So yeah, I started kickboxing, and yeah, it's the same thing. You know, kicks, kicks, and punches. You know, and, and you go, you get stuck in, and um, I, just, I just, I yeah, I had no problem with it whatsoever. I sort what it. Other
0: sports you play? Were you good at other sports going on at the time?
1: I feel like I was probably an okay athlete. Become a better athlete, on started taking it seriously. But I was just never good at football, so that was every and everyone. I all my friends, everyone in my school, everyone I mixed with, it was just football crazy. We had we played football, you know, lunch yeah, break, everything. It's like so football, it's then. it's just, and I wasn't good at it, so. Like I, just, I I was, I would always gravitate to whatever other sport because I'd probably be better than most at every other sport. Yeah. You know, at that sort of kiddie level, um, and boxing I just obviously I, I excelled at from from a really early age. I was, I was, I was good, so um, because I had that, it was that instant buzz, and uh, you know it, it was never I was never going to do anything else. I'm never going to be anything else apart from you but, know be a boxer. But
0: boxing is kind of like golf in the way that like it's such an individual sport. It's so hard to make it to the top, like to fight. As you did, and obviously we'll come to later in Wembley like that's ridiculous, like how few people get to do that it's like golf it's more or less impossible to make it at the top, but when you're a footballer, you kind of know like on that team on that team in that academy, how do you kind of know in boxing at whatever young age yeah I, I could possibly be a top pro here are you twelve are you thirteen what what age are you
1: well you have um, domestic tournaments as as a, as an amateur as as a kid, you go into the school board championships and stuff like that, and then um if you win them once you get to about Fourteen, fifteen you start getting selected for um for England and you start boxing for your country and then it became like G B over here, so it was like, you know, United Kingdom and you're sort of you're being groomed to um to get to the Olympics and win a medal. You exactly. know? That's, that's, yeah, okay, yeah. You're you don't realize it at the time, but you're kind of a numbers game. Do you know what I mean? They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. how many medals can we get in this next Olympics, and be yeah, yeah, yeah. how much money they're going to put into the system?
0: It's um, the same on every sport in the Olympics, isn't it? Like?
1: every every sport. And then like you know, talking about like now they might be like, right, we brought women's boxing in, so we've had to like half the funding for the for the men's side exactly yeah. to accommodate for the women, which is great for the women, terrible for the men. Like yeah. so, it's like oh, it's that much more cutthroat, and you know, so. Um, why didn't
0: you go to the olympics did you just lose so you lose a match or what
1: yeah well you have to you get selected so you've got to become the number one sort of for your for your country or you know to represent and then you get sent to qualifiers and you have to qualify to go um the fellow who went instead of me was james agale and he won a gold medal did you
0: have to brawl him in order to signify he was one no
1: um it was sort of it's just down to uh, like a, a you know you just get selected so now maybe they've since then they might bring in some sort of box-off competition and stuff like that. Because I'd actually boxed a Gail in, in the domestic championships and beat him um, yeah. prior to the Olympics. And then I thought, oh, that's handy, I'm going to get now selected. Yeah, yeah. But he'd already, they'd already spent money on him. He was already in the system. Like Did you only he, fight
0: him once in the amateurs? Once in the amateurs, so yeah. beat every time he faced him, you beat him? Yeah. Did yeah. you ever fight against, and obviously just for the Irish listeners, Darren Sutherland?
1: No, so, so Darren was older than me, so I never met him as like a, a junior. And then... um when he sort of must have come to the forefront of boxing for Ireland, I think Andy Lee had turned professional, so he took the took the number one spot in middleweight. DeGaulle came in at the same time. So them two boxed each other like four yeah, times. I that, yeah, But I, I was never in that A that A oh, class. Okay. I was in yeah, the B yeah. team sort of thing. And yeah. uh, therefore, I, I, had a, you know, I never got to sort of face the, the top guys. I mean, I, I did face a, a few, but never, um, never never Sutherland.
0: You know the way you're kind of talking about that thing about like getting punched in the face and stuff like <laughs> that and like boxing such a kind of cutthroat sport one mistake can happen like if you're fighting in front of 80,000 people in Wembley the next day what's it like just walking around your house that week or like how do you talk to your girlfriend your mates your family how do you sleep or how do you wash your teeth do you know what I mean for like 80,000 people one slip up you're getting knocked out which is some people's biggest fear like you don't know when it's coming bang asleep terrifyingly scary um, how do you deal with that emotionally like is that something you have to train yourself to do or is that kind of a natural cold streak in you
1: yeah I think I think you gotta have it in you to start with to a certain degree. Um, it's very difficult to have that um totally coached into you. Um and then you will need some help along the way. Sometimes it's through your own experiences, through the good and the bad, sometimes having the, the right people around you to um to share the burden, you know, and, and the stress and the pressure. Um, you know, I I, uh, I remember the magnitude of, of Wembley Stadium, like in, in at the time. It was a bit of a blur. You're in a bit of a buzz, you know. I'd, I'd come off the first loss with Frotch, and it was a real whirlwind, sort of into the next. The next, I was, I was playing catch up basically. I was like, "Oh, I lost that fight, but I should have won. I should be world champion. Let's just get this over with. We we'll make it as big and big and beautiful as possible, and that will totally eclipse what happened the first time. And because yeah. no one will even remember the first thing because this is Wembley Stadium. This is this. Other. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. sell, I sell the shit out of it, and I did a fantastic job of that.
0: The promotion was excellent.
1: Yeah, and then. And then it got knocked out and I was like, ah, right, okay.
0: <laughs> it wasn't you weren't necessarily fighting poorly though. I mean, I think one of the cards had you ahead. It was it was fairly level. Yeah,
1: it was like I in hindsight, maybe the, my game plan was wrong. It was to build into the fight. And even then I was younger, I was with a new team, I was more impressionable. Um, and there was there was a, there was an underlying tone that I'd sort of maybe starting to gas out in that first fight. You know, again with hindsight, watch it back. No like there's no problem with that. I was throwing power shots from the get go you know it was it was a brutal fight, so yeah, there was gonna be a slack off in in um you know in intensity and in terms of your energy levels. So the second fight was to start and gradually build upon yeah. it and then the second like the first half of the fight we eased through. I thought I was winning the rounds, but they were they were close on reflection and then um started to build into the fight, and about that stage, I sort of let Carl Forge off the hook in terms of the anxiety that I put him under in the first fight as well as, you know, the pressure and...
0: His chin is is insane, though, isn't it?
1: Fantastic chin. Like, I mean, world-class chin. You know, one of the toughest guys I've ever fought. Um, I punched him numb in the first fight, which is an expression I've grown to like, but I never liked it so much in the first place. And it's kind of a weird thing to say, and not a lot of people understand it, but you can, for someone like him, you you punch him numb, like, because there's that element of... Surprise that element of being un unready for that shot um and they're usually the ones that that, that put people asleep was know? it
0: too early because it was uh, in the first round yeah first, first
1: round I mean it was too early in that he in definitely the, had enough yeah he had enough um energy levels to 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 recover from that I mean, if that happened in the sixth round, I think because you know you're not hundred percent, you're now at say 60, 70 percent yeah. he would struggle to get up, but um for me as well, you've got that. You're Trying to at that point, you're just trying to contain your emotions because you're like, This fight could be over, and then that's like a euphoric sort of yeah, what's that like when he's on the ground?
0: Like, how do you control not thinking you've won?
1: Well, I remember thinking, I've hit him once and I've got it. I've got that's the first round, I've got 11 more rounds to finish this off. Don't like gas out, don't um, expend too much energy, don't like panic, and and also. Look good doing it. I don't like that frantic sort of bum yeah, rush. Exactly, finish yeah, exactly. I thought, I'm going to make him. And then the bell went. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll put a step on him the next round. But I'll take my time with this. Take my time with this. And then, but as I say, I think I punched him numb. So over the course from, say, two to six, he was starting. And the sixth round was really bad for him. And I was loads him with loads of heavy shots. With experience and probably with, um, you know, um, a more experienced trader in my corner, he would have been, right, very the attacks now. You know, you're just going headhunting, his right hand on the chin every time. Like, keep him guessing. Like, throw a few body shots. Let's, let's set him up. Let's keep him twitching, keep fainting.
0: Would you have beat him if you had McGuigan at the time? Although McGuigan was your... You know, it's, space, so it's, it's all hypotheticals. Hypothetical. Um, but if you have that kind of guidance and that kind of, as you I, said, mixing I, I, the attack. I, I
1: think if I had had... It's a funny one, because at that point, in that stage in my career, I was a bit, I was young. I was, I was probably... It was my way or a highway in, in terms of, you know, I was listening... But if I didn't agree with what he had to say I wasn't ready to follow your instructions I'm still going to go with what I'm doing. not to be in the right direction yeah, yeah, that was yeah, your yeah, job yeah. not to be in the right direction and Shane would have been 23, 24 at that exactly, time younger yeah. than me would I have listened to a 23 year old no. trainer with no experience probably not so it's it's a funny funny old world but
0: that's kind of because boxing is one of those sports it's like it's kind of like it's just for some tennis players again like do it if you know what you're talking about, do you know what I mean? It must be kind of hard, especially when you're young and bullish. You've had such instant success, you've had all the victories you'd had. Like, you kind of must think that whatever you said went like trainers could only do so much based on your mentality. And then it kind of seems later on, in your career kind of had a shift towards maybe I don't know everything kind of thing.
1: Yeah, well, I turned professional, um, with um, under like the Haymaker promotional banner, so it was David Hay. Who was a big star at the time, and then within a year of me turning professional, won the heavyweight world championship and became, you know, a one-sided pay-per-view fighter. You know, there's only one other fighter since then. That's only Joshua to do that. So
0: you're on those undercards.
1: So yeah, I'm on those undercards, and I'm getting the great exposure and the great experiences. But I never, I never had any control over my own career. So you know, the the the, the trainer that we both had was Adam Booth, and he made all the decisions. You know, which is which is good in many ways, but also you're like. I'm just I'm just just following along with someone else in someone else's slipstream. Yeah. I'm ready to make when I was ready to make that big step up. I don't think anyone else was. So um, at that point, it was like, well, I, I've known what's best for me for a long time. I've you know I've took the risks. You know I've I've took the hard fights for for the bum money and I'd already boxed and beat James the Gal as a four to one underdog. Yeah. You know for, um, and been you know headlined a pay per view show. So it's like. I'm ready for this now, and no one else really moved with me. So when when I ended up, um, Adam said he didn't want to work with me anymore. Literally, why? He's um, I I I don't especially know. It doesn't really make too much sense. I mean, Weird it wasn't demands, just, it wasn't kinda. just crazy out of the blue. Like he was, we'd have like it was gonna run its course at some some point. I believe in in um, you know, in our relationship because you know he had experienced. The dizzying heights of success with David Hay, uh, and then and then absolutely hero to zero when he went to Germany and lost to Klitschko. Mm. Um, I feel like he was he was a wealthy man then, um, probably struggling to process that a little bit, and maybe a few few other things going on in his life. And he was just I was ready for him to back me, and he was still not not prepared to do that. He so, kind of had
0: us go in a way.
1: He you know it was like we were. It's okay, me pandering to David Haye's needs, and you know he's a he's a heavyweight champion of the world. So if he wants to be a drama queen, then yeah. we we all allow it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. he wasn't a heavyweight champion anymore, and it, now I'm fighting for my first world title. And Adam didn't want to come to the press conference because he was I don't know he was busy playing tennis or something. So I was like, right, okay, well we'll uh, we'll we'll move on from here. Um, and but th- at that point, I was like, right, I was was reveling in the. In the in in the process of being my own man, making my own decisions. And it was just so lovely to, like, people's eyes widened. They're like, wow, this kid, like, he's got yeah. his own voice. Because before then, when I meet promoters, I'd sit there quietly and, you know, someone else would do the talking. All of a sudden, I was, man, in charge of my own destiny. And
0: how I did was, you have the kind of, how did you have the bollocks to do that as an unproven fighter?
1: Yeah, I think, I think, <coughs> I like the, I, you know, I, I love the, I love I love the buzz of that and um once you're in that process like you you have no you have no no shame like you are ballsy with everything and you, and it's like the scheming it's like watch, uh, when i watch the first three four series of house of cards or you watch billions of series yeah. like, and everyone's scheming and cutthroat and you know they're up to they're up to are planning and they're up to something it's kind of how boxing works and you the fun element is if you get good at it and you can stay a, a step or two ahead of the rest.
0: Who was your kind of solid base though in the industry? Like at, in your early 20s, you're making decisions to leave your original trainer. Like I see a lot of boxers nowadays who are still kind of protected by a promoter or somebody who just makes sure they're always guiding them these directions to maximize their exposure and their success. But it seems like you were kind of this kind of free, to an extent, rebel. If you know what I mean. Yeah. And you can't um, kind of even see that in the fighting as well. The kind of manner in which it was just never over, this kind of sheer outrageousness, which kind of made you who you are. Like you kind of got the short end of the stick with the Olympics thing and then the underdog for the, hay, the Gale and then it just kind of went on. Who was your solid base? Was it family? So
1: yeah, so so I got... um come from a lovely family. They they um, My mom and dad have backed me since I was like a young kid. They'd come around the world to see me box. You know, my dad came to... Morocco to watch me box in the world championships, um, like under nineteens. My mum and dad came to Vegas to watch me box. You know, obviously they had a wonderful time too in Vegas. Like it was one of the better places to go. But um, was your mum ever saying
0: to you, kind of like in the peak of the kind of like verbosity and outrageousness in the media? You're a 23 year old guy. You're saying crazy things to sell a fight. Was she ever saying, "Be careful, son"? You know. Uh,
1: No, I think I think they kind of like they must have thought hope he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And i I'm pretty sure those of them conversations went on just without me present, you know. And I, I remember my mum um just being like and my dad, probably their proudest moment was like when people say, like, Oh, he was booed in and then cheered out in fresh the first one. one. And I think like it's probably like even though I lost it, probably like my dad's favourite fight. Do you know what I mean? Because I put him on his on his arse in the first yeah, round. Yeah, yeah. There's a great picture of like the whole front row which is like you Know my mum, uh, might be my mum, show sit front row. I mean, my dad, probably my, my wife, um, you know, some cousins, people who have been there since the start, and they're all like, Yeah, like it's a shock, and it's just me, like, uh, Yeah, what <laughs> because yeah. I'm just like ready, there's no celebration yeah. for me. Like, right back to neutral corner, nice, it's all about business. Does your mum hate the so, impact?
0: That's why she doesn't sit front row, yeah, yeah, she, she doesn't just like can't the watch sound. It. I
1: think I got her a front row seat once, and she said, Never again, like, yeah. so I try and get her, like, I managed I don't know how it happened, but we got like a like a private box um, for Wembley Stadium. So I put her and some some friends up in the private box. So there were there were lovely seats, plenty of space, but pretty far away from the yeah. ring. And she still doesn't watch it. She looks at the floor. You know. Yeah. just on the back. So
0: no, and the same with the girlfriend. Like, does she was she kind of in terms of this decision to retire so young? Was she delighted with that?
1: Yeah, I think I think she, she's been like the most important person in helping me. Um, you know, I talk everything through with, with my wife, um, Sophie. She's, um, she gets it, you know, because we live it. You know, we live it. We live it the good and the bad, you know I mean? Have like, you been
0: with her since the start?
1: Yeah, so um, I've known her my entire life. She's like a childhood sweetheart. We've been together now um, between 12, 13 years. Hopefully I, I get that right. We've been married not quite as long. We've been married a long time now as well. We've got, we've got two kids together. So, yeah, she's like, she's... um. She's been great for me, you know. Um, I feel like, uh, but I, I've got a lot of um, things to appreciate, you know. Yeah. They've sort of helped me get through the sport, and hopefully have um, have something to give back after, and to keep myself a little bit sane, you know, in the process. So,
0: what did Dale Youth uh, Club in Grenfell Tower that recently tragically burnt down? What do you think that kind of Scene that you and James De grew up boxing and did for the development of both of you in a way kind of oh yeah definitely the odds numerous times like what was it like in there did you see him daily in there what was like the-
1: so yeah well we it's, just, it's a tiny little gym when we first joined it wasn't even at Grenville Tower it was um, just down the road in like a like a converted morgue it was it we're was all like okay. I mean, when I started, I was 10 years old. I didn't know what a morgue was, but, um, I just remember it was cold. So, um, oh, there was
0: literal bodies in there simultaneously. Like. Well, no, it,
1: it was, and it wasn't no more, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah, for yeah. took it over. I mean, it's prime real estate in Notting Hill. It must've been worth a fortune yeah, yeah. when they sold it. So, um, but yeah, it was a, it was a it was a champions gym. I remember like you come down, they had champions. They were proud of their champions. It was just a junior club when I joined, so they were all kids. And then they usually, most of them are traveller lads that, that sort of quit at fifteen anyway because they went to
0: work. Why do you think travellers are so good at boxing? Is it just because they just grow up doing the? It's more. You know, it's like street footballers.
1: <laughs> they, uh, I mean, they are, they are tough. They mature really early, so they have great successes as, as kids. And. Um,
0: Mature physically, do you mean physically, they're exposed mentally? To pain very Yeah, young. well,
1: they're just exposed to like an adult environment, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and they uh they love their boxing. You think, like, you go to, to school, I mean, I've been to school for a long time, obviously. But
0: um, did you finish school or did you leave early to box?
1: Yeah, no, I finished school, I went to college, and I, I didn't finish college because boxing sort of took over. What I did home. you do in college? Like, a gym thing. I thought it helped me in, in terms of learning a bit more about was it just going to physical, physical stuff, stuff like that really like you always
0: knew you wanted a box
1: yeah yeah I mean I, I thought it was it was, a, it was a, like a, a part time course so it was it was just yeah I suppose it was just something to, to aid my boxing yeah, yeah, my yeah. boxing dream you know rather than going to be um, something to fall back on you know I, we we weren't that way inclined but
0: were you and the Gale mates when you were in that U club
1: yeah, you know, I could I pr- honestly say that he probably wasn't my cup of tea, but just f- as a
0: bloke in general, just as
1: a bloke in general, you know, but um, so we never shared a room and we went away, you know, like I said, who do you want to show? Not James, but, <laughs> you know, um, I showed with some of the other lads, but, you know, I cheered him on when he boxed, you know, what I mean, we, we traveled together, you know, it, I wouldn't say I disliked him. I just said he not my cup of tea. Um, he got to he was he never really took it seriously so he was kind of like a fat kid so he was always a weight above me like a few weights yeah. above me and then as I was getting older I was sort of flying through the weight division because I was quite big for my age as a kid yeah so we both ended up at middleweight um, so he came down to middleweight I ended up up at middleweight and he won the ABAs twice in a row and I remember being really proud of him I remember being proud that I was the only sparring he had the whole way through and I'm like wow that's my big achievement um but then I was like, right, well it's my turn. I'm ready to go in it now. And I, I feel like not everyone was quite ready for, like, the, you know, the two good lads in the gym. There was loads of good lads, but two of the best lads in the gym to um, to have to fight each other. One of was going to have to lose. Um, I was ready. It was no way James was going to back down either. So, um I mean, we both got stuck in and I got, I got the win. And it made it count because I went on and obviously won one of the ABAs that year as well. So. And
0: because he, like, because, as you said, you used to root for him when he was boxing, throughout his professional career, obviously that animosity build up, he felt kind of, he kind of felt hard done by, by the decision on the cards, 115 to 114 on two cards. But, like, a lot of critics would say it was a completely fair call. But he's always seemed to hold issue with that. And probably the fact that he didn't get a rematch. But why didn't he get one? Was that kind of just promoter based or?
1: Well, if you if you look at like when it took place, you know, um, it was a British title fight, British and Commonwealth title fight. So I had the Commonwealth title, we had the British title fight, and then that was each. You know, if he had beat me, I was one hundred percent just a stepping stone on him to go on to bigger and better things. Exactly, singles. yeah. And likewise, this time around, I think if we had boxed again, it would have took away from both of our future accomplishments because yeah, exactly. it took him a little while to go away rebuild um and cut and sort of come back but he had um, the gold
0: medalist thing so it was easier for him to rebuild
1: i think so i think he's always had opportunities so if you look at look at look at my four careers right i'd say yeah i uh i feel, i feel like you, you you'll always disagree but say, i achieved more you know, I I um, I was in the the bigger high profile fights. You know, I got more money. Like all the things that you'd like to equate. To Did you success. get more money
0: than him, do you reckon, Yeah, hundred percent. Because I saw him the other day saying. Yeah, otherwise, but he, Then I was kind of looking at the attendances if, and the pay per views. Yeah, to... if
1: you look at the, the the big fights that I was in, especially the last three I had, um, sort of uh, probably the last three I had, I done I done really well. I got lucky. I done really well. So, but in terms of the the value, so you know, I'm on. I'm on the shit split of that that Wembley thing because I'm the challenger and I and I and I sold sold the shit out of it and it generated an awful lot of money. So I got a lot of money, but I got a, pff, do you know what I mean, minuscule to what what Frotch got. Yeah. But I I generated that money. If yeah. you look at the money that DeGaulle he never actually generated any of it. He yeah. had obviously he's got the gold medal, he has the brand, yeah. But he doesn't doesn't sell tickets, doesn't put bombs on seats, you know. So um, in that way he's outshot me so that's, that should be his claim to fame that should be, that should be where he, you know, he hangs his, hangs his uh...
0: but like after you, the way you're saying kind of you are the the short end of the overall sale that in a way became your brand then after a while if you know what I mean you were always the challenger you were always kind of the mouthy challenger who was completely you always seemed to know you were better than these people but the media and medals and brands seemed to say otherwise but it kind of became your identity that you were the guy who always said he could do it and, and ended up doing it
1: well i had um <coughs> excuse me so i had um i had the experience of obviously um no one really thinking I could win when I boxed James guys as an amateur and beating him and being like right there we go um and uh it came around as the professionals you know um i made i made really good headway uh, as a professional I wanted to sort of try and make little statements as I went along um having an accelerated route to the top so now lots of fighters are sort of chucked in the deep end much earlier, but back when i was first turnover you'd have the likes of say paul smith who's 25 fights before he sort of challenged for a british title fight whereas i was like i think i won the commonwealth title in my eight four nine yeah. fight so i wanted to get get going let's get moving
0: then you're fighting like kenny anderson when you were kenny ranked.
1: anderson you know that was that was thrown together with like 10 days notice
0: that was a huge test for you though he so yeah it, i mean
1: he? yeah you know i i was so i was supposed to box I'm, i was supposed to headline my own show on sky sports really excited about it um and then the day before, or the, you know, a few days before the fight, the guy flies over. He was, um, it was a Commonwealth title fight, so he was Ghanaian or something, and he failed the medical, and they couldn't get a replacement. So um, the team said, "Don't worry, look, we'll get you on Hayes undercard, um, Commonwealth title fight. You'll be, you'll we we'll go chief support." I have done them a fantastic favour because it was it was, I mean Audley Audley's fight, which was a bit of a you know, a mismatch. Yeah. But you had this 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 absolute tear up on the undercard. Kenny Anderson, full grown man, extremely mature, tough, strong, um, unbeaten, probably li- limited in his in the skill set, but, you know, uh Commonwealth Games Gold medalist as an amateur and um a tough test. When, you know, a real he, tough when test. he
0: knocked you down for the first time and obviously like you've been going to Belfast, you've been taking the piss basically so far up to Anderson in terms of how one sided your fights had been. You were completely in control the whole time. Some of the fighters you had, like, who, what's your man's name, Polgar. Is that,
1: is that an opponent? Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. I, I That's all, what like, I mean. It was, yeah, the, yeah, the, like, the, you you're right, know, like, the I'm, Eastern I'm, European you, opponents like, coming over. I mean. You nearly
0: kind of asked the ref to stop that fight. Like yeah. He's so he's so vulnerable, and you're just not really arsed digging him again. But when Anderson kind of out of nowhere knocks you for the first time, when you're knocked for the first time in your career, like, if that was kind of my sporting mentality, I'd immediately go, oh, I'm shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How do you kind of as fighters or top end fighters <coughs> convince yourselves this is fine I'm still in control?
1: Yeah but there's no there's no self doubt as such you know afterwards in, in the fight it's like you've got to be honest you're not thinking this is okay you're thinking oh my god like get yourself together so I wasn't as I say I had that I had that lull because cause I was supposed to box a couple of weeks before and came off the diet and I sort of crashed it again just before. And I remember not feeling too great in the build-up. In the change room, you know, like, you sometimes you just, you feel like you're, you're firing on all cylinders. And the change room, I felt a bit flat.
0: Just energy. But and I'd just... already
1: done, yeah, I'd already done some sparring with Anderson, so I thought, well, it's just, yeah, I know what I'm doing, I'll be fine. And then... um. It wasn't until like the change room the tactic was to like just box and move. and I, i'm not really a boxer mover i mean i can, I can now, but back then I hadn't really drilled that those sort of skills, so I did it for a round and a half or two rounds, and uh he was working fine, but I was just like emptying the tank without realizing yeah. and then um you know welcome to the welcome to the pro ranks, you know, you've got these tiny little gloves on, you've got no head guard, and the little skimming shots that sort of hit you and catch you around the side of the head and stuff like that, they really hurt. Like, you know and those just,
0: ones you see on TV and it doesn't look like there's a day getting landed because it looks like it hits a glove. Is that still kind of s- still knocking your temple just well, yeah, still you yeah, you
1: you're, you're, you're feel them. Like, you definitely feel them. I mean, I've got to be honest, I wasn't really that sort of fighter who stood and took shots hands up, but my hands were down. So if one, one was on target, I usually took it full, yeah. uh, full force. But... um, yeah, I remember being, just being like dizzy, like um, off balance and that. And then even the, the knockdown sort of like where I'm sort of off balance I'm on my knee, I probably get up a bit too quick and I have to sort of survive that round. And then Adam in his corner shouting, just keep moving, which was the wrong instructions. It was Dave Carwell next to him to sort of said, grab him. <laughs> I was like, well, great, that's yeah. much better. Grabbed hold of him, weathered that storm. I think come the fifth round, the fifth round was better. I was back with my boxing, got my, f- my legs together again and then um, hurt him in the six. and it was like, right, just, just keep punching. And, and you finished gone. him
0: off. But you talked about kind of that survival thing, like after you get knocked out that minute and a half that follows on. But you know in Groves, when it was stopped and you know the way briefly, I think it's because the ref headlocks you, but your hands are down briefly. Were you genuinely fully aware and just about to go into survival? Mode? You, or like, Would you have fully finished out that round? He wouldn't have finished you.
1: Oh no, I'm absolutely fine. That. So, I'm tired, right? We're yeah. both tired. We're, we're both extremely tired. But what I'm probably guilty of is the way I fight my posture. You know, um, the fact you can hear, I can't... Sp- my nose is completely f- fucked. It's it has I mean? something broken. It's been... It's, you know, I've got a deviated septum. So yeah. I breathe out of my mouth. So as I start getting a bit tired, the mouth opens a little bit more to get the air in. You yeah, know? Yeah, it's, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. it's not big gulps when the mouth's open. I've got pale, pasty skin. So uh, I'm starting to go a bit pink, you know? And... um I think I even throw a shot and I miss. And um, especially back then, I used to I used to fight with a wider stance, yeah, lower. Followed through
0: is You know, like. the
1: the, pa- the power was there. For, that was to generate more and more power. But obviously, when you miss, you're off balance. I have got Howard Foster. He's not the lightest of men. Yeah. he's got me in a headlock. He's, he's ref another fight
0: for you after that.
1: Yeah, he's ref before after I mean, yeah. he refed me in the Gale, which I only realised. When I look at the pictures, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, so uh, he
0: grabs you. Your hands are down. You're bollocks.
1: I mean, and I genuinely didn't know what was going on for a split second because usually when a referee intervenes, you know straight away it's a stoppage. But I'm thinking, even if I'm, even if I was under severe attack because of the bombardment that I put Frost under, it's got to be a bit of leeway, exactly. My way. Yeah, yeah, And it's a pay per view show. It's a well-titled fight. Yeah. You have to go out on your shield and these things. There's no there's no such thing as protecting a fighter in, in this sort of circumstance. As sad as it sounds No, that's true. You know, it's not like the ropes are holding me up. We wasn't even on the ropes. No, no, no. no so, um yeah, you know, it was it was the first bit of success I felt that Froch had in the entire fight. So you know, he's, he's on TV much more than me, so he can rewrite the history of it and people might listen, you know. Did you got... lose a
0: tiny bit of respect for the way straight after he kind of took the win? Like, a lot of fighters would go, let's make the rematch straight away, and I know he said it, but, like, he was kind of refusing to admit it was stopped too early. It, every single pundit was saying it. It was it was craziness.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he,
0: still, he still will deny it now. Um, Are you happy it happened, though, because it sold the second fight?
1: Yeah, so that's a tough question. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I I I wouldn't change anything now. I've come to terms with everything that I've sort of had in my in my career. But uh, you know, would I have liked to have won that fight? Yeah. You but know? if you won that and fight, you
0: I, probably would. He probably would put out a rematch again. Though I would. Me?
1: You know, if I'd beat him, there was a rematch. There was not a rematch clause, but he would he would have wanted it? Could we? Could I have demanded it? Could I made it? Um, you would have
0: fought Kessler probably then, would you? If you beat him?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe they were talking about Kessler. So when I was having meetings with Matram, they were like. Well, actually, that was after after the first after the first fight. So it was a rematch with Frotch. Beat Frosch. They wanted me to fight Kessler and and so on. But I think I think I would have done all right. Yeah. I, I know I'd sell a fight. I know how to package it up. I know how to make history. So whatever it whatever it would have been, it would have been. But I I believe that I would have got. I certainly would have got Frotch's rematch. He would not have been satisfied with his performance that night if 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 it was the other way around. If I'd had the entire fight up to there, and then we had that exchange and Howard fossil stopped Frotch. Yeah. He would have definitely had the, uh, had the rematch. And
0: in a way, though, um, because you can say, like, yeah, if it hadn't got stopped with that, you wouldn't have got the the second fight, but because the next fight was in vo- like voted ring event of the year, which was previously won by like Tyson Biden off Holyfield's fucking ear and shit, like for a non heavyweight fight, you never ever thought for one second, even when you were training, you'd sell out Wembley. Not based off your ability, based off the fact that there just isn't that interest. This was ridiculous, but that kind of the fact that he got KO of the year and you were knocked out in front of so many people, that kind of made the rebuilding process actually harder than it would have been if you had just lost a kind of lower profile fight haven't beaten let's say you beat froch and then lost to kessler you probably wouldn't have been back in the copper box fighting after that you know what i mean like your rebuild from froch two is unbelievably impressive and then obviously you get the two knockouts and then what seems kind of like for me one of the only fights that you out and out properly lost in terms of no injuries no proper mistakes because you did make a mistake against froch two and in froch one you you kind of won the fight Smith, you had the shoulder, but what happened against Jack?
1: Yeah, so Badu Jack. <coughs> so again, so I've lost, I've lost the first first watch fight, and I probably got a lot of stuff. Uh, I've lost the second watch fight, and I probably got a lot of stuff that I need to sort of process. But again, I'm just like, oh my god, I've blown. I need to get back. I need to get this, get this done. Like I should. I've made the mistake. It's the first time in my career where. People say, uh, oh, you know, I want it I hating the build up now when people say I want it more than him and it's like, I know what that means and it means nothing. Yeah. Because Joe, I want who says who wants it more than, than than each other in a fight? If you get hit with that that shot, that's it. You this doesn't matter. I want to get up. You see me, I get yeah, up, I just exactly, get up too late, yeah, exactly, yeah. You know? So it was the desire still there. I'm I'm pressing I'm literally the fight happens Saturday, go home Saturday night. Um Sunday morning, I say to say to the missus, I say, should we go away? We never do this. I usually keep a week off to try and milk the uh, the exposure, you know, like the Sky interviews and shit. Yeah. So bit. she she says, yeah, okay. So we literally flew to Dubai that night. So like within 24 hours, I'm out of the country, head down to try and um, recover. But I can't. I can't sit still. I'm I'm already. i already. I've done a deal with the the Saul and promotion. So I'm already on the phone to Callum. I'm like look, let's go through the rankings, If we get? Let's go WBC route. That was like, that made sense. So I was already ranked okay with them. I could have maybe bypassed a few other um, potentials and we'll have a final eliminator we can get going. So straight away, I think Box May, September, we're back at Wembley, not the stadium, uh, Wembley Arena. I'm fighting for a brass, the number three ranked, um,
0: WBC yeah.
1: uh, contender. I'm
0: fine though, kind you, of a good fighter, not good fighter, not good great. fighter,
1: but but not great. Beatable, yeah. you know. You kind of new, very into big, yeah. not a huge puncher, a little bit slower than I am. And away we go. But what the problem for me was that um, I was with this new this new team. Uh, I was being trained by um, a chap called. Paddy Fitzpatrick is what he called himself. Um, he's got, he's he he an amateur amateur coach. He had an amateur Jim Swindon and the reason I was working with him was because I'd done ad hoc pads with him whilst training under Adam Booth. So, when Adam Booth wanted to play tennis or yeah. went off to do, do some other stuff, he'd bring other people in and i you worked know, work with this guy. And, um, me and Paddy had a good, like, um, first of all, I knew him, which was important to me. Um, I knew that he could hold pads well and, you know, he's, he was a bit quirky, you know what i mean he, he he had some pearls of wisdom he'd been around the gyms, and you know we'll see how we go as time went on. I realized that that was kind of his place like but it's hard to tell someone that that you know, you're you're not you're an assistant coach yeah. you know you're not you can't lead from the front because you know it's it's yeah, that's a big job you know that's a big job, and sometimes that's not always about um being the fellow who knows the most it's just about managing the pressure and managing everything else that goes on. So as time went on with him, I had, I had a robust fight. And, yeah, it was, a, it was a good win. I threw an awful lot of punches, but it wasn't me. It was like, Ugh. So then I took another fight at the end of the year. And so I'd gone from Wembley Stadium, huge pay-per-view show, to headlining a show on Sky, um, to now fighting on undercards. So yeah. I was on Bell, cleverly yeah, undercard. Yeah, yeah. And I... I I was having I was having a little strop. I was like, "Well, I'm supposed to be fighting for a world title. You're not giving me any sky dates." Yeah. Uh, I picked I picked the opponent, um, uh, Doug, Dennis Douglas, Um I picked him because um, I think by then he was trained out of me with a gym, and I knew I was fighting Belly Jack. So it was kind of just just almost to like try and get someone's attention. I think I think that's true because I was trying to. I have to remember. I have to go back on my. I think, but, um,
0: because the jack fight was moved originally it was supposed <coughs> to be, and then suddenly moved to the Mayweather. So that, that, that was
1: that was the big problem. So, originally, I was boxing, um, when I became mandatory, that uh, Anthony Durrell was the champion. So, I thought yeah. fighting Durrell. They put they threw in a voluntary, um, and he fought Badou Jack. No, I really expected Badou Jack to win. He won, he won really convincingly. I thought he was very good on the night. I think the scorecards were closer than they should have been. So, fair play to Badou Jack. Straight around, like, oh, I don't know this guy, I better do some research, you know. And everyone was sort of concentrating on his one loss where he got caught cold and got, got got um got knocked out in the first round. But I knew he was a better fighter than that, but he's deceiving because there was nothing that he did that sort of seemed exceptional. He was just a sort of a good all round fighter.
0: Great skills though.
1: Yeah, great skills, but like not there was nothing real flashy or elegant about him. He was just you know, did everything, everything well. He did, you know, he, he took shots well, he blocked shots well, he landed shots, he got himself in and out of range. Everything was very subtle, which is, they are the best fighters, you know, they're the dangerous fighters. So, we thought that was going to happen in April, then that doesn't, they get postponed to the summer. We're getting messed around with the day. Literally, the day I'm flying out to America to, for the fight, they cancel it and push it back to the Mayweather undercard. So I was like, oh, what do I do? Do I rebook? Do I just stay out there? We went for staying out there, and we stayed um, seven, seven and a half weeks in Big Bear, California. Because I'd been out there before, I'd, and I liked the area. It was nice and peaceful. It was the, the, using Golovkin, Abel Sanchez's gym, which is yeah. a great location, great gym, great equipment. But um, seven and a half weeks at altitude is just not good for you, yeah. I believe now. And, and it's like you learn. So by the time There's I got no back down to Vegas...
0: Learning, though, like you're you're, and you're, like you're chasing it, you know. And exactly. I was I was ready.
1: I was peaking. I mean, it was the lightest I've ever been for a fight, and then I get I get dropped in the first round against Bandu Jack, and you know, that's that that's that's what took me so long to get over. It wasn't until I started working with Shane McGuigan. He's like, I think he was too light, and I was like, I have to. I have to. And I wanted to say I have to disagree, and then I thought maybe he's right because your punch resistance goes once you get under a certain position. You might. You don't, you don't always have to look amazing. It's about feeling amazing. Exactly. I thought, that makes total sense because m- once I got out there, my sparring had a bit of a drop-off and I was always blaming the altitude. Everything that went wrong, I said, like, that's oh, the altitude. Oh, I can't breathe up here. I'm, my sleep's not so good. Oh, it must be the altitude. It must be this. Maybe it was, and that was a contra- um, contributing factor, but I think it was also because I got really light. Yeah. So I never I never do any... I never trained and get under 80 kilos. Like, under... Really get under 81
0: Do you kind but of reckon There was any intimidation factor Of it being on Like Floyd Mayweather The biggest boxer in the world He's his promoter Being on that undercard Do you reckon it played In Jack's favour at all Or were you just not up to it That night
1: <coughs> Not really I think I think As I say I was I, I really wanted it And it was It was a real close fight And the instructions I was getting in the corner Was that you're winning this fight You're winning the rounds Just really? keep doing what you're doing yeah. And that was the most Disappointing thing about it Because in all in all truthness, like I'd sort of lost lost a bit of faith in in, in Paddy the coach. I was sort of I was too scared to change trainer before a world title fight, like I did before i yeah. and lost and yeah. I got the stick for it. Um so I didn't want to change again, so I thought, right, I'll stick for it. And I genuinely believed in myself enough that I thought, I know what to do. I I'll, I'll listen to the right instructions. But really, once you get to that point and you're that desperate to win a world title, yeah, you know, I was that sick of boxing that you just hear what you want to hear. So when he's telling you you're winning the rounds, you're like, brilliant. That's exactly what I are hearing. Yeah, and I've already balls. been dropped in the first round, so the pressure's on. So then it's like, right, don't get knocked out. Just win the rounds. Get through the point. The fight finishes. I'm like, yes, I am world champion. I turn to the crowd in front row. You've got my wife. You've got um, a couple of friends. And I could just tell by their faces that they do not have the same... Oh, really? They don't yeah. have the same thing. I've, and...
0: Oh, do you genuinely think it? Like, when you see boxers, I kind of thought that was kind of for effect. That, like, do you actually think after you've gone the distance, because it's been so difficult, do you kind of tell yourself you've won?
1: Um, I don't think every every time I've been, yeah, I I knew I'd beat the Gale. I mean, I thought it was clearer than, at the time, I felt like it was clearer than, uh, the scorecards because I thought, yeah, I'm not. Dominating these rounds, but I'm winning the rounds. That was what I was told to do. Just go out, just win the round. If if he throws no punches and you throw one punch, you win the round. Ideally, you want to make it a little bit cleaner than that. So you think you've beaten Jack, and then the ref obviously. I, I thought I beaten Jack, you know. But when you, I went back and watched it again, and I thought, you know, but it's the rounds are like, you have to, you have to then process that. Okay, he is the champion. He is the A side of the fight. He is. In his hometown, he is fighting on his manager's yeah. undercard. So this is Mayweather's last fight, you know. So they really want Manny Jack to lose before he walks out for his last fight. So if it was close, it was gonna go, it was gonna go the champion's way. So that's why you, you as a fight, you just can't argue with that.
0: Unbelievable turning point for you though, because it was straight after that fight where you, you get Shane McWiggan in, and then of course there's three fights. You'd be pretty good fighter, Martin Murray, good fighter, uh, Brophy, not a bad brawler. Um, and you're just a different boxer now, it seems like. Although you probably would have won these fights before McGuigan, you're kind of winning them in a different style. It looked like there was much more left in the tank even when it was all said and done. What kind of was the main difference Shane McGuigan made on you as well? was it mental or was it physical or what was it?
1: Both, both. I mean, first of all, I had uh, tr- tr- conf- r- real true confidence in it. and He was like the happy medium that I've been looking for the whole time. So you had Adam, Adam Booth who... At the time when I was really, young, I was in awe of him. I hung on his every word. I thought he knew everything. But you know, as time went on, I realised, oh, I say the case, he's kind of, he's kind of wigging it, as we all do in boxing. Yeah. But you know, that was, but he wouldn't, really, wouldn't, he wouldn't. Um, yeah, he wouldn't. So and then Paddy, Paddy, you got who? Who sort of? I did everything. So I couldn't put him in charge of anything. I couldn't leave him any responsibilities.
0: Was he intimidated by your previous kind of record? You reckon? Because uh, only... no, not
1: at all. I mean, he he sort of he's tried to stamp his authority, and maybe to a certain point, I I didn't want to let him do that. Yeah. Uh, because I didn't put any real faith in him. You know, he's he's just a laid back customer. Do you know what I mean you go to his gym? Um, there's Bob Marley on the wall, there's this, there's this, he's just like, he's he's a, just a, a chilled out cat, so it's like, I'll give, I remember, I remember for the first front fight, I gave him one instruction, I said, at the rules meet him, it says in the contract we have to have um, factory sealed gloves, right, so if he shows up and he doesn't have factory sealed gloves, don't let him wear his gloves. Because I know he had a Lonsdale deal, and I know Carl loves a few quid, so yeah. he probably got like <laughs> who know he's going to earn millions in this fight. It might be ten grand, you know, for wearing these these gloves. And if he's not allowed to wear them, that'll put him in a foul mood before we box. I thought this is going to this this is, this is going to be one of them battles I'm going to win. Yeah. And they come away, and it was exactly how I said. He showed up, so he has Everlast gloves that he puts Lonsdale logo over the top, so they're not factory sealed because he already opened them to sort of tamper oh, sure, with them yeah. and such. Um. No, not saying they're not—they're not legal. It's just, no, like, no, this, this just yeah, it's just—it's just yeah, yeah. contractual rule. So, they didn't—he didn't—he didn't get it over the line for me. So then he's like, "All right, okay." So, so that was that for me. That was a loss. That was like, ah, oh, I've lost that. That's a loss. So, little things like that, I couldn't really put him in charge of. Whereas once I met Shane, like, apart from the fact that he's grew up in boxing, his dad's a hall of famer. You know, they—they—they they, they run a promotional company. They put shows on. They—they they manage fighters. He's training elite fighters. He he had Carl Frampton at the time who was doing exceptional things. So that was now the proof of the pudding for me. So it's like, oh, he's not just some kid from boxing who's just had an accelerated, um, you know, Rose, career because yeah. cause he's, cause he's, cause his dad's had to open all these doors for Did him. he ever
0: brawl himself? No, straight into coaching.
1: Shane, uh, he boxed as an amateur. Okay. And I think, to be honest... He was under a real sort of high pressure of being like McGuigan. I think he fought a Welter, but he used to cut, cut to Welter, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think because I smell like these fighters that um, come from experienced boxers, you know, they kind of. Um,
0: they know the dangers as well. They know the dangers,
1: but they take it a little bit too seriously, a little bit too early. And then they might burn out. So like if you're trained like as hard when I listen to the stuff he used to do as a kid, I think you know one need you want to turn around. Be sick to death of it. So um but but they kind of make the best trainers, I feel like those guys that love boxing, wanted to be a fighter, but for some reason or another didn't quite get that fulfilment through boxing. Yeah, it's
0: like the Mourinhos and the Fergusons to an extent, if you know what yeah, I mean. The Wenger's, They didn't really ac- clop, they didn't achieve the top level as players, but that kind of Lack of, lack of fulfillment or what they've achieved yeah. drives them on to a managerial well, role. You look
1: at I mean, what could Cristiano Ronaldo, if he wants to become a manager, he's probably going to be the best player on the pitch when he's 50, anyway. Yeah. And if he's telling people to do something and they can't do it, how can he comprehend that you can't do this? Will that
0: put you off training? I think people. so.
1: I mean, I like, I like, I, I love, um, the art of it, I, you know, I think I've got a good knowing eye. I think I, I see things, and then it's, it's just having the patience to, to articulate that. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think that's what, I've never been a particularly good teacher because I struggle to, to really get my point across in a clear and concise way. Um, Shane's very good at that, very, very good at that.
0: Yeah, so obviously with Shane, you beat Murray, you beat Brophy, and then of course uh, comes the, the bout against Eddie Goodnett, which of course ended in quite a tragic way. Um, the fight against Gooden I want to talk about not only the fight itself but probably kind of how it seems from the outside it might have changed you as a man and, and your views towards boxing but kind of during the fight obviously Gooden was a fierce competitor he was from that kind of area in the world that I don't believe in quitting but did you kind of know and just for the listeners who don't know after the fight Eddie Gooden uh, suffered injuries that, that were life altering and he kind of hasn't been mobile or, or been able to speak since but did you know during the fight this something's not happening right here like
1: um <coughs> I um I hope not. You know, I I I don't know. It was sort of like my my personal feelings at the time for for me was just like this was this was a, a, just a fight to keep busy because I was in line to fight for the WBA world title. So I took this fight to keep relatives keep busy to earn a few quid. Um it it wasn't mega money, so it's like it sounds sounds a bit silly, but it's like oh, I, I, you know I, how much do I really want to exert myself here I just want to get the job done, but as rounds went on I his eye his eyes started to balloon up, which obviously happens all the time in boxing, so it's not necessarily a massive concern but um am thinking why are you leaving him in here like is there's no need for this you know um i uh i was asked i was asked after by his by his um it was his sister, I think, who yeah, I, I keep in contact with, with the family, make sure they're doing okay and that. And his sister asked me and said, um, like, did you know? Because like, it seems like he was hanging back, he was pulling back. It seems like, you know, he wasn't. And I wanted, I didn't, know, I didn't know whether to comfort her and say the thing that I hoped she wanted to hear or just tell the truth. And I didn't know what to say, so I, I kind of told the truth and said, well, I, I just generally don't know. You're just fighting. It's like because I remember thinking, it's not my job to stop it.
0: But did you know, eight nine? Why is this fight still on?
1: No, I mean I I was thinking, I just remember thinking this is a bit pointless. Really, this is a bit pointless. And I remember thinking, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try and, I'm not gonna try and knock him out because. He don't need this. He's probably he's definitely not getting paid enough. I'm not getting paid enough. Yeah. Like and his corner just left uh, left they just left him in. Because like, it was probably a big so, moment
0: for him as well though. Do you know what I mean? If his corner threw him the tail prematurely, but like you blew my opportunity against George Groves.
1: Yeah. But the way I mean the way the fight the way the fight was going, the way that he would have been known, that he was sort of like he was he was he was, he was a keep busy fight. He was picked out, Yeah, He had a good record. Yeah, you know he was. He was, no, no one, he was no on one. his
0: toes as well. He was selling. He was selling it to the ref well that he was okay. Yeah. And then afterwards, obviously, your your celebration doesn't even. You kind of look subdued after you've won. You don't really seem to overly give a fuck. Then you go into the dressing room after, and you're kind of just packing your bags. You're going home another day at the office, and then then how do you get informed about what happened to Eddie?
1: So yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm sitting down and. Um... <laughs> One of my, um, he's my he's my physio, but he's much more than a, um Fantastic guy. So anything like sort of medical related, I suppose he would be the guy to deliver the news. And he came over and said that. Um, just wanted to, I uh, let you know now. Um, and he's collapsed in the changing room, and uh, I think I was doing my shoes up or something. Something quite therapeutic or peaceful, you know. Everything. Yeah. And it's what sort of, I was stuck in stuck in a bit of a trance. I was like. Oh because you know what that means as a fighter, and you're like, because then you'll start, then I'm just trying to process, how obvious was this, did I know this, like, what could I have done, how have I fucked this up, like, what does this mean now, like, because Nick Blackwell, who I was sparring with, who had a fight with Christian Bank Jr., um, collapsed after their bout, and this was like maybe a, a few months before, not that long before, the fight with Good eggs, And he came round and he was you know, he seemed perfectly fine. So you're thinking is, is this that, yeah.
0: That that was crazy what uh what happened to Blackwell. You were you were sparring with him as well before he went into the U fight, yeah. Yeah, and, and did he, you know he something did something about him.
1: Well, in the in the sparring, um he was a little bit I mean, he's he's all action, Blackwell, and he's he's super strong and he used to put you under real pressure and that was where he was in his comfort zone. That's where he, he would take less shots, you know, by letting his hands go. Yeah. But um the last one or two spars we did, cause we, did oh, we did a few, um, he looked like he dipped a bit. So sometimes that's because, you know, they're on a diet or this week they've decided to be strict on the weight yeah. and stuff like oh, that. They, they've accelerated some other, you know, training, you know, more power. If they move to a power out, but usually that's neurally taxing. So you, you end up feeling a bit tired and it you know, affects your sparring. So our
0: spar's full throttle, like are you properly going yeah. for it, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100, I 100, mean, uh, we, we, we are, we yeah. do.
1: Yeah. I mean you take forget it's always you take the the emotional element out of sparring. So it's just like it's it is you're not trying to you're not trying to hit someone out of anger or yeah. emotion. You're just trying to perfect your craft. But yeah, you're you're whacking each other as hard as you can.
0: Sorry, but back to just Eddie for a second. Um, so you obviously got to visit him, do you, afterwards? And you, I presume you were pretty shocked by the deterioration of him. Like, it has. It, it's, it's been one of the worst bars, probably fatal. It's been one of the worst outcomes it could have been. He, Well, hopefully he recovers, but he kinda, he'll definitely never fight again. He does kind of... It doesn't look good. But in terms of the dangers of boxing and the ethics behind it, I mean, there's been a lot of fatalities, even... Um, like Shane McWiggins dad actually fought a guy called Young Ali in the eighties, who ended up dying after five days in hospital. Mike Tell recently, the UK boxer. Like, do you have a son or do you have sons or do you have daughters?
1: Yeah, no, I've got two two sons. Would you
0: like? Would you would you want your sons to box down the line, or having had the Goodman experience, are you kind of looking at it from a different point of view?
1: Yeah, no, I um, my wife's adamant they won't box. I, I don't want them to box. It's um, be very difficult to gravitate them away from boxing. Yeah, like,
0: if they know their old man was once involved in the biggest fight since World War Two and Wembley, like, how are you going to actually tell them not to put a pair of gloves on?
1: Yeah. I, I think the only way I can do it is to encourage them in other sports. 40 or something uh, like that. Other things, you know, so, um, yeah. But, that's, that's, that's the, uh, that's, that's the worst case that, you know, that's the worst thing that can happen from this sport. So, um. It, 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 it for that, and many other reasons, why I wouldn't want him to box. But well,
0: you know? when that happened, was there a change in you mentally that goes right? I want after this, I just want to win a world championship, make a bit of money, and get the fuck out of here. Because you're retired by thirty. Like there's people who are more or less starting at thirty. <laughs> Eubank Junior, twenty nine. Now he's talking about it hadn't just being the start of something and stuff like this. Katie Taylor, Irish lady. She's thirty two years of age. Mm. You're thirty and you're you're were, you were thirty and you were done. Did the good thing accelerate your retirement, or was retiring young always something that you wanted?
1: No, it definitely accelerated retirement, as well as like the emotional roller coaster I've been through. You know the losses and you know the rebuilding phases, um, the characters you come across in boxing. You know, uh, so unfortunately for me, I had um, my very next fight was for the world title, so. You didn't have to wait too long. You were know?
0: You, did it hold you back at all? Because that, of, like, as a human being, I know you're a professional. I know you're a boxer, but as a human being, just naturally, because that happened to one of your opponents and he nearly died in hospital after you fought, was were you a different fighter fighting? shooting? was it more mechanical? Was it more robotic?
1: Yeah, I think I was. I remember the first spar back, um, well, one of the spars back. So you sort of you usually you start a camp. You were bringing the elite sparring partners as such. You you get your eye in a bit. Uh, you might not throw as many punches, but you're letting, letting them swarm on you. Um, and then you start moving on. I think, I still can't remember who it was, but I had someone in. And I remember catching everything. And, oh, and this was that initial, ooh, like, as I say, because we'd had not just Eddie, it was Blackwell, and there was probably a couple of other people yeah. that were struggling at the time. So that was that. And then, Got the fight finally got made like after six, it was about a six month gap between uh Eddie and, and Tchunov. And then Trunov, like, it's got an absolute granite chin, like up there with Cole Frotch, if not better, you know. Like, really, yeah, <coughs> in terms of the full bloody shots that hit him with, yeah. Um,
0: but he, he that belt became vacant because the German who he fought, what was his name again, Felix Sturm. yeah, he retired, did he?
1: Yeah, he he tested positive for oh, okay. for something and then yeah. rather than go through the pretense of it all He's retired. retired. Yeah.
0: So yeah, you fight Tudenov, and obviously it was a tough fight and then eventually the kind of new training, the new boxer you became under McGuigan kind of shone through and, and you won. What was it like the night you eventually on fourth occasion and not just the normal fourth occasion it was kind of becoming like will Liverpool win the league kind of thing. <laughs> you, winning the, yeah. uh, you winning the super middleweight. It was your fourth attempt and there were such high profile losses. One was on a Mayweather undercard. One was in Wembley Stadium. One was under dubious circumstances. Was it anticlimactic to an extent? you are like, oh, is this is this all it is? Like, what what you do after?
1: Oh no, it was it was like it was just the best feeling. But it's not like jumping up and down celebrations. It was just sheer relief, which. When you look at it physically it's just sheer exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you look at the changing room and it's really subdued. And we have a photo and I feel like it must have been so taxing for me to smile in it. You know, I wanted, you know, I'm the happiest man in the world, yeah. but it's just the weight and relief of, of that of that achievement, of that of finally getting that over the line after so long.
0: And you broke your jaw in the third round, is that? Yeah. And that you just carried on fighting. Yeah. Did you feel it? Yeah. yeah, if I broke my jaw, though, like it would kind of take over my decades, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I don't understand what you mean that you just kind of got on with life. You just break your jaw, it hurts, and you just continue to fight.
1: Luckily, uh, when you get to my stage of my career, uh, I'd actually broke my jaw previously. So, as an amateur, um, boxing out in Poland, I had my jaw broke, which uh never fun. Um, but I went on and won that fight. So, I thought. <sighs> But pro pro, this is this is it. Like you can't. There's no excuses here. A broken jaw is a broken jaw. It's like it's debilitating to a certain degree, but it doesn't stop me throwing punches. So um, at that point, you just deal with it. I remember at the end of the round, it was right at the end of the round, and I you hear it. I heard it pop. Like and I thought, I thought jaw gone. So a bit <sighs> down. Like I feel it. I don't know what it feels
0: like. Do you tell your trainer my jaw's gone? No, you just leave.
1: It. I just sat down, and obviously Shane takes the gumshot out at the end of every round. Uh, and You see it, he goes to take the gumshot, i go no. And then, um, uh, so I'd signed into this World Boxing Super Series that was supposed to start like September. This is May. I think he yeah. broke a jaw. I'm out of this tournament. Yeah, so I'm yeah. not going to tell anyone. <laughs> so I didn't tell anyone. And then I'm driving to my after interview after, and I'm sort of whistling and whistling <laughs> a bit. And then I, and I talk and I tell the physio in the ring, I think my jaw's broke. So he's like having a little maneuver like that. Obviously at that point, you're not really thinking about that. Okay. Well, there's 25,000 people here looking at us and we're live on Sky Sports. So, um, yeah, the, the, there's a clip of me having a little fiddle around, trying to be trying to be a bit coy about a broken jaw. But um, yeah, I've got to be honest. Like broken jaw, third round. I think the fourth round, I get quite a nasty nick above the eye. Blood running in the eye, and I'm thinking maybe this just ain't gonna happen. Maybe it's just like at this point, it's just you've left it too long. And that would have been to...
0: if that didn't happen, it would be a completely different career in hindsight. Yeah, been... yeah. So it does happen, and you do eventually knock him out in the six, and you kind of like it, like. You get it done and then of course you get to select your first opponent because you're seed number one in the Super Series. You pick Jamie Cox, which again, good fighter, but like you kind of knew what was going to happen. But for me, and this is something that I've kind of seen you play down in other interviews. I think mainly because as an actual fighter and someone's on the inside, you kind of know hype is bullshit. But we as fans, we kind of buy it. So like when you went off a two to one against Eubank, now I actually backed the fight to go the distance. And when you had your shoulder fucked in the twelfth round, <laughs> digging at you, and you were still going, man, I actually just want to say thank you. But it was actually one of the most moving things I've ever seen. It was crazy, crazy, um, hard. But the Eubank fight, you kind of seemed like you kind of you kind of knew you were winning that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was that was that was comfortable. I knew that was going to be an easy performance. So <coughs> excuse me. So we'd done lots of sparring, you know, but but years years prior. So um, we hadn't sparred together for a long time. And he was a handful inspiring. That's why he was such good work. You know, if he came and he let his hands go, if you wasn't on it, he'd bash you up that day. You know what I mean? He'd bash you up like, because he'd catch you with stuff and you'd get frustrated and you'd try and, try and chin him and then he'd catch you a few more.
0: Yeah.
1: And he was smaller than me. He was a middleweight, you know. So there was, there was nothing more to it apart from that. But when I did show up, when I, when I, you know, when I took it seriously, he couldn't lay a glove on me. And I used to hurt him. I used to buzz him. I used to, you know, so I knew, come fight night, Am I gonna just show up like it's a spa and I've had a late night done a strength session the day before? I gonna ate some McDonald's on the way into the gym or whatever. Or am I gonna show up on 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 form and and, and do the job? So there was only going to be one outcome and one way it's going to go. I mean, I, I believe that the pressure of the the backing that he had that he became the favourite and I was the underdog again. I mean, I took uh, I couldn't care less about it, but it adds to. It adds. It adds. Adds. Adds an element. It adds to you know the belief of someone, the belief of the general public, the belief of the guys calling the fight. That has. That has. I know now at this stage that has, an effect on. The interpretation of a fight because a yeah. fight is just an interpretation. It's not the first past the line. You can't exactly. say, oh, I thought Justin Gatlin was faster than Usain Bolt. It's like, well, no, we watched the race and yeah. Usain Bolt won. Whereas boxing, it's an interpretation. So. You want it to be as clearly called as clear as possible.
0: Like Joshua said, though Anthony Joshua said he thought he thought Eubank was going to win. Yeah, Frock yeah. said he'd sparred against Eubank and he offered much more than you did, and it was a messy fight. It was only like twenty nine percent of punches landed to twenty two, but that was probably tactical on your end. But like the only person who kind of seemed to said that he thought you would win was was Saunders, and he said that Eubank's a great fighter, but. He's not a great boxer and George Groves is a boxer, so in a boxing match there's only gonna be one winner. But
1: So that's 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 again those those um those voices of authority, those voices in boxing. One, the fellow who backed me hates Eubank. <laughs> that's Billy Joe's honours. The fellow that backed Eubank, which was um Joshua and um Gro- Froch hates you. Froch. Frotch <laughs> hates me, and Joshua trains with Froch's coach and you know, I think I've seen pictures of Eubank and yeah. Joshua out together, at their mates. So that's kind of how boxing works sometimes, you know, and
0: that influences the bookies though as well, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah.
1: definitely. I mean, he, he Eubank is a promoter's dream in that he. I don't know whether this this era will pass. How long this will how long this will last? But when people are they want the quick fix, and he delivers the quick fix. His Instagram videos were awesome. You know, he's going to post him just going. Da, 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 you right met him. the
0: United team like one of the nights before he fought you and shit. Now. That's experience, you know. Yeah.
1: That's you know, I I promoted. Uh, the absolute shit out of the Wembley fight, but I still would do nothing fight week. Yeah, he yeah, still yeah. thought it was good for his brand to go out and meet the United players f- two, three days before the his fight. His dad
0: was a showman as well, though. Jumping yeah, top I mean, motorcycle, th- th- motorcycles. That's on. where
1: his dad was good for him at the start of his career because his dad lapped up all the limelight. Um, he got the he got he he got uh, advantages because it it sort of, it trickled down towards him and he would become famous for, the, for his dad's antics. Yeah. But his dad was carrying the burden of actually physically going out and doing it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Whereas like, if you're going to do it yourself as a fighter, when are you are going to be at home resting, sleeping, yeah, training, exactly. doing all these things? And you will burn out. Like. What's his
0: dad like? Because it seems like, yeah, he is kind of overbearing and, and, but kind of too strange of a man to dislike. He seems like a very unusual bloke.
1: I got, I got a lot of time for him because he's, if if you get him at the right stage when 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 he's he might be a bit a bit you know multi personality you know I won't I won't use any proper terms yeah. for him, but he's a, he's he's definitely he's he might be going a bit loopy a bit mental but when he's with me and he's <laughs> and we have we have an honest conversation um, he speaks the truth you know like, it, it, he's um, he he'll tell you when he's wrong uh, openly a bit when he's wrong
0: what did he say to you after the fight when you when you beat the son. Did he say yeah? Fair. Like, I, think, I think I think I think I think he
1: generally f- f- believed his own hype that he had created that his son was 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 um putting out there, and they thought he was unstoppable because they thought they thought he thought like he's a middleweight, but he can win. He'll be a middleweight champion, soon middleweight champion, like heavyweight champion. He can beat everyone. Punches punches so hard, but you know he he's, he's, if you look at the way his dad fought, his dad was um, was clever, you know extremely powerful guy but never threw a lot of shots you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas The Sun is the opposite like he throws tons and tons of shots he's one of the fittest, probably one of the fittest fighters out there um, but punch power you have to you, you can't you can't have them both together Exactly. you, you, yeah. know, you need to find that happy medium
0: and, um, but it was still a remarkably impressive kind of defence of the title and then kind of if it wasn't for the fact that you were locked into the Super Series you'd won your title you defended it against the guy who had all the hype, the famous dad, the guy who actually went on to beat the He is still a good brawler, by the way, Eubank. He is. He is he's actually yeah. He does have a career. And it was a very good win for you, especially on the record and on the paper. And history reads you better because you defended against Eubank. But would you have fought Callum Smith if you weren't locked in to the money and to the to the Super Series final? Or would you have retired after Eubank? Because your shoulder's fucked for that Smith fight. I know you didn't want to blame <laughs> it on the shoulder that day cause you didn't want to be that guy, but it, it's fucked.
1: Yeah. You... Ye- you try not to, try not to make, make excuses throughout your career about this because you never go into a fight fully fit. There's always something or another. But um, if I wasn't in a tournament, I don't know if I would have retired or not, but I definitely wouldn't have boxed with in September because, um, yeah. It, it was, first of all, I wanted to do it in June. <laughs> it's yeah. like your tournament, like Smith's going to Germany to fight a kickboxer, you know, on you know somewhere in the middle of nowhere next week, and I've just sold out the Manchester Arena. You know, in, against two of the most marketable fighters in the UK, mm. um, we we set a record on ITV pay-per-views that they probably would never meet. You yeah. know, it's not it's not in Sky, but Sky is a is a fully functioning yeah. pay-per-view machine. You know, but ITV's brand new. It was an absolute nightmare to book the fight, but an extortionate amount of people booked it. Right. We were on fixed fees, so we don't care. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's none of other, other. But for some reason, they didn't want to back me to be in this final. Like they, they I, I was the the only world champion who entered the Super super Series at Super Middle 8. I'd brought into it the Ring Magazine belt that was going to be challenging the final. If I wasn't in, that Ring Magazine belt was going. They promised me Callum Swift would be fighting for a full WBC world title. Turns out it was uh, a diamond Diamond Belt, which I was like, okay, well, there's been plenty of world champions out there with Diamond Belts. Oh, but we're not going to call it a world title. So it's like, okay, so I'm going in as the only champion. is. Literally, I'm not even going to come out as a WBC world champion. Mm. And we was arguing with them from literally, um, <coughs> D Baker, who takes care of like a lot of my um, commercial deals, but also at this point was taking care of the running of the... Tournament in the you know, from my perspective, me in the tournament, he's arguing with Callas Howland while I'm in the hospital getting my shoulder popped back in on fight night. He's saying, You got to extend this date. And he's going, Oh, three weeks. <laughs> so he's just his <laughs> shoulder is out of his socket. Like, you've just delivered such a, a fantastic event, don't ruin it now. Yeah. You because you've you got a load of stick for uh, when Bremer pulled out and S- Smith went in against the So, who's he going to have now? Smith versus. And Smith, was, Smith probably would have pulled out the final as well. The whole reason he went in this was to win a world title. We could yeah. go through the whole process and just win a Not for the purse title. though. The
0: purse was huge.
1: He might have stayed in for the purse. Yeah. But I mean... But,
0: yeah, but him... Well, I, and he, stay, I stayed in. They were him. threatening to put Eubank in anyway.
1: Yeah, they were, they were desperate to put Eubank in. Was was, was, our, yeah. was our general consensus. But
0: Smith's so. a great fighter. He had six-inch reach on you and, and four inches in height. And he's, he's a remarkable finisher. But I kind of think from watching fewer fights, I... I I don't think you would have fell for that left hook fully fit.
1: Yeah, I mean
0: your jab wasn't working across the <coughs> your shoulder.
1: Jab, 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 wasn't working. You know, if gonna...
0: visibly, I could see the shoulder not even looking as big as as it used to.
1: So I um we we it's not there wasn't that much to go off the back of in terms of like case studies and that um the more the more um, frequent uh sports injury for this most uh, f- more frequent sport that would suffer from this injury would be rugby. Yeah. So we've trying to work off the basis of a rugby player and some rugby players can be back fit, you know, within four months. So we thinking, right, well we've got five months, so we should be okay. But when you think about it, rugby players in a team
0: yeah. <laughs> and
1: they're not as specific um shoulder dominant as, as obviously a boxer will be. Yeah. So it was a real slog and what I couldn't couldn't really cope with was that the uh the rehab sessions that I probably started a little bit too late I found a I found a really good guy called Ben Caraway. he's um he was fantastic so I had Kevin Lido, my physio who prescribed me all the right stuff but I was going away doing it but I couldn't really do it on my own properly and um I missed the window. And that, that, the period of that window, we was arguing. They were saying, like the tournament maybe me go to Switzerland for tests. And we were getting lots of conflicting information. I was really wa- wondering whether this is the point. At the same time, I was trying to negotiate a fight with someone else. I was like, yeah. right, well, if I'm, they're going to pull me out of the tournament, I'll fight James Like yeah, yeah, We're getting yeah. done in the summer. He's got world title, world yeah, title unification. Exactly. This will be huge. Was ho- kind of holding the tournament to ransom in that respect. Um but yeah, started working with Ben Carraway, he he was he was fantastic. He never let on that you know this was an uphill battle that might not might not get there. Yeah. But he did phenomenal work with me, and my shoulder was, I want to say my shoulder was working by the time we were we were there. But I hadn't managed to do a proper camp because if you train twice a day as a fighter, you do your punch session in the morning, you do your um, your strength or your running or conditioning in the evening. I had to fit in an hour and a half shoulder rehab session, which was. Not just physically, like not just muscularly taxing. It was really taxing. Like your brain would be fried at the end of it. And then from there, I've got to drive and do sprints on the track, or you know, lift yeah, yeah. some heavy weights. It was
0: iron impossible. Do you find the dieting tough that comes with a camp?
1: As well as the dieting, so I was I was really heavy for that fight, so I had to take a lot of weight off.
0: Well, like what in a diet are you let? Like what you can't, you just can't eat anything that's bad for you, basically. That, just to put it.
1: Well, it's like. Yes. And no. Do you ever
0: cheat on it, or are you just too yeah, focused? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's an emotional sport too. Um, so, if you take out that that treat element, it's a, it's, a, it's a dogged a dogged life, you know. So you need something to look forward to. As mm. silly as that sounds, but for a
0: few for a few million quid, you could you could not eat a bag of crisps, though. Sure. Oh, yeah.
1: Don't tell me, dear, don't get me wrong. When I'm talking about a treat, it's like um, ch- chocolate on the top of your coffee. And all oh, and really? This. I yeah. Know, I mean, like it's a strict old diet. Though. Oh, fuck. So and. The diet that you use for this camp might not necessarily work for the next camp, um, which didn't. What really didn't help me was that um, I got to that stage in my career where I got myself in great shape, and because this next fight wasn't too far away, I I could I could totally relax and know that I didn't do that much damage. And then because you've been fit for so long, you don't just fall off the wagon so quickly. Yeah. And then you're back in camp, and then you're you're on it. When the shoulder when the shoulder blew out. I wasn't really be able to do any sort of training. I had some time off, um, you know, and, and my, my weight went heavy, not too heavy, but I feel like my, you know, I was got skinny fat, you know, but yeah, like yeah, the yeah. muscle went away and that shoulder disappeared. Do you know what I mean? The shoulder disappeared, the tricep disappeared, even the bicep was was small it, it, it still is now
0: like were you even good at after the Smith loss or did you kind of know because you weren't fully there like, ah, like there's nothing much I could do about this because it wasn't necessarily a mistake like what do you got you anyway
1: um I mean I, I went to the fight believing that I'll beat Callum Smith I didn't go there just to show up and get the money yeah. but I wasn't I, I knew I knew that my chances weren't as good as they, they could or should be um even that, even I've watched it back once or twice and I haven't watched it back since because I can't be bothered. But um, the jab, the jab, the the jab's working well enough. I think he's he's a little bit, um, he's very cautious, he knows, knows the power and stuff like that's coming back at him. And I started trying to bring the right hand into play because the left hand's not really could control and dictate yeah, the fight yeah, the way yeah. I want it to. So, <coughs> I've always had a good right hand. You know, I can throw a straight right hand, hook right hand, be out from the middle, change it, change the angle of the shot. But we know he's got a fantastic check left hook, and when it, when it happened, I thought, oh, he's caught he's he's, check, he's caught the right hand and checked the left hook, but he doesn't. I even I catch the right hand and he still punches the left hook over the top, and the reason that you know that that buzzes me, and then he's a, he's a very good finisher. He goes head and body really well, and it's over. I get dropped and I'm out, I'm winded, and I want to say that part of me at this stage of my career. After winning the world title, after putting any good neck in the hospital, after earning some some decent coin, after after all these things, it was I gotta be honest, there was there was there was a percentage of me that thought,
0: whatever. Yeah.
1: I was so I, I was so stressed out with the build up to this fight, with arguing with the promoters about the money, arguing with the promoters to keep me in, arguing with this, getting sent all over the world for testing, like and, and fight, finally getting there, they go, we're fucking... going to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. The the morning of the, the morning we were flying out there, you know, they were like, we want to know everything that's in your suitcase and they would say like on Thursday they go, right, we need to know everything on your suitcase, let's know by Friday. It's like what, what do you mean? They go, Anything that's out of the norm. Well what's out of the norm? Yeah. They're like, Well, you know, if you're gonna if it's a beach towel and swimming shorts, that's okay. And I'm like, No one goes to Saudi Arabia with swimming shorts, like so, how is that okay? Like, yeah. we need some, and they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Someone went away and done a deal with Saudi Arabia to host the final, and they thought this is going to make
0: massive. Who, news. who was in the crowd? Like, just Saudi people. Just Saudis, yeah. Did that, because you're someone who kind of thrived off the crowd atmosphere. I mean, you entered the stadium once on a mock London bus, but, um, <laughs> like, it was kind of just having Saudi rich people there who didn't really understand the sport. That kind of took a bit of buzz out of it, too. Like, it was a bit of a kind of shit occasion, really, wasn't it? It,
1: yeah, it really was. It really was. I mean, you, like it's like you get, you get you I got knocked out in front of Wembley Stadium in front of me, felt like the world, yeah. and I got knocked out by Callum Smith in Saudi Arabia, and I had like three tweets saying "hard luck, mate." Do you know what, <laughs> what I mean? It's like no one watched it. So that's that's the blessing. Yeah, Smith like Smith,
0: though, was there was no very animosity between there's you. There's no, ears, no was
1: animosity. It? He's quite. He's quite. Um, he's
0: very subdued. Just he's like, yeah, he, really. you
1: know, like if he's got respect for you, that'll be it. You and know, and did like, you
0: just get out of there after the brawl straight away?
1: Yeah. Well like, I this is this is this is this is what probably I remember doing this and thinking this this don't sit right with me but I packed I you know, I, I had a lot of kit out there, but I packed it all before the fight because we had like a five AM flight and I thought if my shoulder flight? goes again eleven half eleven at night and I right, thought man, by the time I do a press terrible. conference a piss test and have some food, we're gonna have to leave for the airport. So I can do my packing now, but I thought I don't know, something was weird about it, I thought this ain't right. This is not this is not it's almost like celebrating before the win. It's yeah, like, why yeah, am yeah. I packing? This is not right. So, but I, I did it anyway. anyway, and I was happy I did it because I was miserable. That's something
0: we did in under fourteen swarm or something. That was like
1: but t- yeah, I mean, it was the first fight that my, my wife wasn't at. You know, we didn't take no women out that, with
0: us. That's obviously cause the way the Saudis view women.
1: So they were like, if you if you, if you I said, C- can the girls come? And Kalasaul and the pro went, yeah, yeah, of course. I was like, can she sit ringside though?
0: If she has and a duvet over. <laughs>
1: Yeah, what, it your, your main event. But he was like, he had lied to me so many times by then. And I thought, you don't know the answer. No yeah. one knows the answer. And what's going to happen, she's going to get off the plane. So I'm going out there a week before. She's obviously, she's at home with, with the kids. We're going to have to get She's going to come out the day before. And they're going to go, you've got to go pick her up from the airport. Like, well, I'm boxing in seven <laughs> hours. They're like, oh no, she needs um a, a husband and a written note to get off the plane. <laughs> be like, oh, can't you go? No. So once we got out there, the, the Saudi people were lovely. You know, they they, they took care of us. They were yeah. really appreciative of us being there. But the scaremongering that went on before we got there, you know, I take everything with a pinch of salt when it comes to it. I've been all around the world. I've stayed in, I've, boxing for England. I've stayed in the orphanages in Bosnia, like for a tournament. I've sort of stayed in, we stayed in a hotel in, in Baku, Azerbaijan. Two thousand and three, two thousand and four. So before they had any big significant yeah, yeah, events, yeah. this hotel was a tower block of ten floors. Each floor was a different hotel. So if you was on floor three, that might be a two star. If you were on floor <laughs> five, that might be a three star. We got into the three star. It's like crazy place I've been. But Saudi was um, it, to get out there before we went was uh, the most stressful thing. I've There's ever something
0: fixed. I gotta ask you because obviously most listeners to the show or a lot of them are Irish and that's about Conor McGregor Um, like with the Mayweather fight like as a guy who was a world name in boxing like what was that for you was that just a hoax or what what was the situation yeah great great marketing great promotion but like surely you never thought for a second a guy who's never boxed professionally can box one of the greatest technical fighters ever and do you think that Mayweather let him go to round 10 to sell the product
1: I haven't seen the fight. Really? I'm, I'm, yeah. I boycotted the fight to be honest. Did it, yeah? I, I'm a bit yeah, because I um I totally get it. And if I was either one of them, I'd do exactly the same thing. But at the same time, let's not pretend it was it was anything apart from it might as well have been like a WWE wrestling. Yeah. Match, you know what I mean? It, it was it was half fixed in that they wouldn't I doubt they I'm I'm sure they did spend a lot of time together and a lot of the build up was um orchestrated. Um and it was, and sometimes it might have took Mayweather back where McGregor's so good at it. You know, when when Mayweather was young and had to sell himself and sell the fights, he was always the the lead man. And, every, and then once he established himself, everyone had to pander to him and be in awe of him and do, you know sing sing to his um sing to his hymn sheet. Would you would McGregor you ha- came in and done his own thing? Would, would, you would you hate to
0: be an oppressor opposite McGregor? Would he like? Do you think he's very very good at the kind of verbal warfare? Is he one of the best you've seen?
1: he he's he he will shout you down, and it's not my cup of tea, yeah. so I don't really know how I could compete with that because you can't just shout louder, you know I'm trying to get home poignant um. Analytical, fucking yeah, like the Rubik's uh, tube stunt. Yeah, just something, something that that might just hit a nerve with someone, and then so it might be real subtle. Maybe no one else in the room gets it, but if he gets it, and he go, oh, "Ah, yeah. he's dummy there." It go away. He might not get it straight away. He might go away and think about that. But with McGregor, like first of all, I don't think he cares. So, yeah. um, you know, it. I want. I, I I appreciate what he does, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, he just he just made. Millions and millions of dollars. And then, it, you know, it's sort of like, even with the stuff he says after, he's like, well, it's almost like, well, he was a load of bollocks, but, you know, I t- I, I'm holding my hands up yeah. for saying it's a load of bollocks. And people go, oh, at least he held his hands up. Yeah, because
0: so people this, genuinely believed, like people in Ireland get very defensive about McGregor and people genuinely thought that fight went 10 rounds and stuff like this. Well, I don't even think Ricky Hatton went 10 rounds <laughs> with Mayweather. But like, you know, this you thing, it's probably going to happen I reckon in like a year or so cuz like Malianagi keeps like spitting on Murls and McGregor like is there any chance that McGregor could beat him in a boxing match as a boxer no if you're a trained boxer someone from UFC cannot beat you in boxing
1: yeah i mean it's um it, they are totally different sports so whether you're um, i don't know I got to be honest I'm not a huge UFC fan so i don't know the the, the the wall details of it, but obviously they've got you know the wrestling based fighters, you've got the the striking based fighters. You know, they might come from mixed martial arts, kickboxing sort of thing. But you, your stance is totally wrong for boxing to set up. Did you not
0: watch a minute of McGregor? No, maybe I don't know. You didn't even see. I think I was.
1: see. I think I see a couple of little highlights.
0: Did you see a stance or like that? Uh
1: I mean, I've I've seen I've, I've probably I've seen a couple of McGregor's UFC fights, um and it's. It's funny because obviously he's, 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 all them sort of guys they're phenomenally strong because they don't have a, a very tax efficient um, stance. You know? sometimes yes. he's way into his quads, and I think, oh, that must be burning. You know, yeah. like, well, he's, he's squatting right down his really wide stance, and it's almost like you want that guy to commit so that you can hit him with hard and real quick. But then once someone grabs you and you're on the floor, that's it. It's a totally different energy system, and you're fighting against that. You can be doing that for minutes until the, until the end of the round. If he, so, if he,
0: would you would you fight McGregor if he wanted to, though? yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's like the would. one thing that you know, will get you.
1: But I think I think what would be what would be more fun is I want to see a high profile boxer go into into the cage.
0: Well, they not just be immediately grappled?
1: But if they pick someone like 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 McGregor, who because I I think you need the training for it, obviously. Yeah. But what what wouldn't take too long is drilling the defensive moves. You might not be able to master how to get people into the submissions. But I used to do a lot of training with the, with the guys, um, you know, type, um, Jitsu and stuff like that. We're coming, we just do grappling and wrestling and Greco-Roman wrestling. And it's just, just to use, cause I've got no technique. It's just these brute strength to get you through things. Know
0: how to utilize your core and exactly. stuff like that. And like, how yeah. to, how
1: to position yourself, how to, um, get your feet on. You just to get comfortable with another body on top of you sometimes. And, um, as well as it being something different for a fighter, and it's great fun, but uh, I think I feel like you you never be able to take one elite one, one elite from one side and then convert them to the other. you yeah. would have to be a happy medium.
0: Um But one of the things that like UFC kind of dangerously flirted with the idea of outgrowing boxing to a stand, it kind of took a knock with McGregor fighting Mayweather the way it played into boxing's hands. And obviously, you and and Frotch fighting paved the way for Joshua Nobin and Wembley and the kind of rise in British boxing that occurs now. But the kind of mounted UK based fighters that are dominating the world platform now kinda of shows you how the games through the sports kind of diminishing in America slightly. But do you think that boxing I know that fighters want money, but do you think it is letting itself down in terms of choosing money ahead of good fights like Pacquiao fights Mayweather years after we want to see it. And, like, who the fuck's Anthony Joshua? When's he going to fight someone we want to see, man? Like, when are him and Fury getting in a ring? When are him and Wilder getting in a ring? And you know Eddie Hearn, and you know people like this who obviously are making money from it, and the boxers are making money. But the sport eventually is going to suffer if we don't see these fights.
1: Yeah, but I think... um, I think they will happen.
0: And I feel like... But when they're 34 it's, it's, no one wants
1: to... I, I think they will happen. In, 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 I mean, at the moment, it's taken a real complicated situation where they've each signed with um, rival TV networks, you know, so Fury's decided to go with the money. Um, and he's he's gone with ESPN and Top Rank. You've got um, Wilder, who's always been with Val Heyman, so he's predominantly Showtime. And obviously, uh, Joshua's now with DAZN. So DAZN is is the real curveball, which could make it a real problem because before... There was a happy media where you had a top fight with Showtime, top fight with HBO. They both fight on pay per view. You just pick which platform you want to pay for. Yeah, DiZone, they don't work because you're like, oh, you could pay the hundred dollars to um, watch this fight on HBO, or you pay hundred dollars for zone and have it for a year. So like, yeah. they're kind of like they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna win if if, that's, if that is ever the case. So, but. That being said, I feel somehow it will happen because the fighters want it to happen. I mean, like Fury, if you don't have any options, Fury Fury comes out and he fights Deontay Wilder after after a layoff because yeah, his popularity is high. His popularity's never been so high because he wanted to put in a formal performance against Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder, to his credit, has um, he's boxed Luis Ortiz when I was wanting to fight him. He's um, he boxed Stavurn for the title when Stavurn was still a handful. You know, he, he boxed Fury. You know, he, he got he got lucky with the draw, but. He knows he has to take the fights. Joshua, he's took the fights. He's just stepped up to the occasion. You know, he's been he's been very ex- extraordinarily well looked after, you know. But that's yeah. not, not to his not to his fault. That's just beneficial to him. And he's had he's had not just the the might of match and boxing behind him, he's had Sky Sports pretty much based around him. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. it would surprise me if, you know, his next contract will be that he owns a percentage of Sky Sports, yeah, you know, because they it, they've built yeah. it around him. But it's easy for fight fans, boxing fans, to get a little greedy. You know, what if what if Because they do Joe, want to Joshua, see the
0: best though, the best fight in the best. But if
1: Joshua fights Fury next and then and then he beats him, and then he fights Wilder at the end of the year and beats him.
0: Then we wait for the next twenty two or twenty three year old to come up and then we make a load of rematches kinda of like Tyson Holyfield and that shit, you know what I mean? He has to fight one of them. Yeah, or even fight Dylan White again. Yeah, really, I mean every uh, single. I feel, f- I,
1: feel, I feel. I think. I think Dylan White priced himself out of that last fight. It, it, there's a lot of egos, and that's that's the problem of where you know at some point they all have to conform. There has to be, and Joshua is the top of that tree. So, I've he boxed on my undercard uh, on fox Wembley, and then I boxed did he Joshua did he boxed on my undercard, yeah. and then Maya. My claim to fame is that I, uh, I, think I boxed on two of his. You know? yeah. So that was my fall from grace. had to come back up, and i have been trying to negotiate my purse. And really, it's anti Joshua saying, "Well, I want a percentage of profits here. How much do I want to spend on this undercut? Yeah. So. It's it's, it's difficult. You w- you want to see it at the same time. You don't want it, you don't want it to be over with all in one hit. You, don't really, you know, these 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 fight. It's just it's just the way. The, who the wins goes. that fight
0: for you, Fury Joshua? Joshua. Do you think so? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean what do you, know think, mean, do
0: you, what she, you make of Fury coming back after such a long layoff and, <coughs> and like literal cocaine addiction and stuff and actually getting the result against Wilde? He did win. He 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 got given a draw, but he won. Um do you not think that was one of the most impressive performances you've seen?
1: Yeah, I mean Wild Wilder Wilde Wilder seems a bit stressed. You know, I'm not sure what's going on in in his his um in his situation. I mean, but I know his purses were like you know, he's he's earned great money, but sometimes, sometimes you can earn fantastic money for an easy fight, and then you got a harder fight, and you got half the money, and it kind of plays with mentally, you mentally. Know yeah, I mean, they're both yeah, yeah. both money, but you're like, I was getting three million dollars to fight that guy, yeah. and that was uh, thirty seconds that took, and then I'm fighting this guy, life and death for one and a half. Like <laughs> by the time I pay my trainers, this you almost like you think oh, that's really worth my while.
0: What percentage of trainers get and stuff like that? Like, what do you what?
1: E- each to their own. I mean, the the general. The general rule of thumb in the UK is you give your trainer ten percent. And an uh, agent another. So if you got if you got I mean, if you got a bum deal then your manager you for some reason the manager takes twenty five percent, which I think is
0: Of the uh, of your purse. Of
1: your purse, which is quite heavy. Quite heavy. Uh then you give ten percent to your to your trainer. And then if you're uh like me, I had I had a lawyer that I needed who's on a retainer, so I put him on a percentage as well. Lovely guy and he always with me my whole career. Um he sort of doubled up as almost like part manager, part PA, yeah. part this, part that. And then usually you inherit a few people that you have to sort of sign off. So, um, to get a release on my contract from, um, the who are my promotional team to go into the tournament, I'd give them 10%. Um, I brought in some, some, some friends, um, Dean Baker at Wasserman, who I now work with at Wasserman. Um, he broke the deal with Camosa for me. So, I, you know, I, obviously he got, he got, he him and Wasserman got paid. Cam um, costs and other costs. And you taxes try work out like to, a third, to a third of your purse is out. So you've got two you thirds of your purse left. If you good money, half of that goes out yeah. to tax man. So you're left with a third.
0: Yeah, so if you're getting like, a purse of six million for a brawl, you're only getting two. Mm. Yeah, do you know what, mm. what I mean? So like the papers and all these kind of things, they have people... In the complete misconceptions about the monies that kind of combat fighters are actually making, but something that I found interesting—we talked about the Fury decision, and obviously you and Froch, earlier stuff like that. But um, Froch years ago talked about deliberately. Actually, there was a stoppage so It's not really relevant. But Froch spoke years ago about a fight going to the fifth round deliberately to sort out kind of the bets for his mates or his his family members how he said he stopped him in the 5th it was just something that he had to go to court for or whatever but like what is the story with corruption and boxing and the dubious decisions like Canelo Golovkin in the first fight and stuff like that like why is it so rampant and like have you seen around you obviously not been involved in but have you had offers to kind of let a round go to a certain fight or
1: no there was <laughs> Excuse me, no, no, I haven't, never, 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 never to that extent, like sort of throwing a fight. Um, I mean, in terms of like, I don't know whether there is like brown paper envelopes that float around and like judges get bought off and stuff like this, or whether they just get heavily influenced. So that was like our argument with the, the stoppage, say, with Howard Foster. I don't think Howard Foster got paid to stop that fight. Yeah. I just believe that he got he bought into the hype so much that. He was gonna stop that fight. I yeah. mean, we went, we like, and obviously once it happened, I was getting screenshots sent to me, right? Where Howard Foster, he's on Facebook, right? Someone's written to him saying, Oh, looking good tonight, Howard. <sighs> frotch Frotch KO in the ninth. Like, this is pre-fight, and he's liked it. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, he obviously writ re- he obviously read the first paragraph that said, Looking good tonight. he thought I better like that. <laughs> and he ain't read the second bit that goes Fox stop the night. he's in that fight, and he stops it in the knife controversially so uh, we took it, we took it to we went to the i b f um, for a, a board hearing to say we want to be reinstating as mandatory. we want the, the first fight sort of a null. we want yeah, to the yeah. middle contest and we, we We spent thousands of psychology reports about how he would have got influenced by this but that turns out the ibF watched the fight and went. Well, that's a load of bollocks, mate. All right, we'll talk, We'll have a discussion. to see you in an hour, twenty minutes later. In the corner he went. Yeah, you can have your rematch. I was like, oh, thank you very much. So it was so they,
0: forced, nearly. It wasn't even a promotional thing in the end.
1: Yeah, that. I mean, I. I mean, yeah. We we spent a lot of money getting the, the IBF to reinstate me as mandatory again. Yeah. So that's why it was like. That's um, so why it was a force he's had because like Eddie Hearn and Frotch and a few others were making out like they got loads of options. They're going to go. What's your planet. relationship
0: like with Eddie Hearn?
1: Okay. Yeah. I I like it. I He's mean He's an actual
0: back... boxing fan, in fairness as well, like, isn't
1: he? Yeah, back back then, I mean, his rise to, his rise came at the same time as me, you know. So I was with the Haymaker banner. I think he was doing a few um like prize fighter shows and I never really had much respect for prize fighter because I just didn't like the concept. Like yeah. it was like why were they getting bigger viewing figures than these big fights at the time? And there was no arena fights back then. Yeah. Talking about like you know uh, about 2010-ish, you know, it's that, that sort of era. So, he's doing Price fighter and he, he was doing really well and he's trying to make a name for himself and then his big breakthrough was backing Audley Harrison to beat David Haye. So, he was trying to, he was that guy who was trying to catch his little face on the end of uh, a yeah, yeah. interview. So, and I was with David Haye and I was like, he's saying Audley Harrison going to beat David Haye and it sort of set, set my opinion of him off wrong where I thought I didn't really have that much respect for him and then we had a meeting um after I beat James Gallagher, we had a meeting, um, as well as a, I met a few other pros, and he wanted to sign sign me. But at the time, he he wasn't. He was. He was. from you know, Boxing was showing poor shows, like everyone else on Sky. To be honest, you know there was there was the, the big shows that ended up pay per view. Other than that, it was you know bantamweight sprich title fights. Yeah. You'll cool. call like they they were low low key sports hall shows. Um, I went with Warren because he had more money. Um, he offered me more money and I I didn't realise that Heard at this stage had a monopoly at Sky. He was about to be the only promoter at Sky and was actually at stake about it was gonna go big on it. So he signed Kelbrook, uh Darren uh, Darren Barker, Froch, um and then just, just like ex- all of a sudden became a massive thing. Um they already and I was, had and I, was like, I was I was the enemy then I was already yeah, exactly. with Frank Warren.
0: So and did he ever approach you to sign from?
1: Matchroom, yeah, and then I did it. when I left Warren, I signed with them. I did a two fight deal with them, which was just a, a little, little, little small, uh, little That's small. Before Frotch, fr- before Frotch, so I w- I'd fight um, with them in, the, in You know, say March of thirteen, and then I boxed on f- uh, Frotch Kazan the card. So we did two fights with Matchroom and then we did a we did we did a one fight deal for for Frotch. They how kind
0: of how much kind of. How much responsibility would you give to Eddie Hearn for that kind of fight ending up being in Wembley and having like, was he the mastermind behind that entire thing to an extent? Um, and the context of the fight. Yeah, I imagine.
1: mean, I, I think I think I was the chief protagonist, <laughs> but but it definitely couldn't have happened without him. Without, yeah. without his, you know, his ambition. You know, um, I, I believe he's big. He, he that was his big breakthrough as, as well as mine and. So, kind of our careers have been on, the, on a similar path to a certain degree. Obviously, being the promoter, that's what happens. You're, when the cameras
0: were off during that, cause you both wanted the same thing. You both wanted to sell out Wembley and make as much mon- money as possible. When the cameras were off, and obviously there's the push on the pitch, and you're saying, Eddie, sort your boy out. And he's kind of in fairness. He stayed kind of silent throughout the press conferences, but he's clearly leaning on Frotch's side. But, like, behind the scenes, are you mates? Or beso- are you and Frotch no, mates no, no, behind no, the no, scenes? not
1: at all. So, um, trying to, they were trying, they were trying to sign me in the process. So, they, and, um, I think they, they decided that I didn't like Eddie Hearn and that Barry would sort of come into the rescue. Um, probably had more time for, for Eddie, to be honest. But Barry's a wonderful guy. But, old man. Yeah, yeah, the old man Barry Hearn, but maybe a little bit different, a little bit, a different perspective. He was in it for like the fun element. You know what yeah, I mean? He's just, he's like, you know, and he's real casual and what would have been like cheeky banter and, you know, g- Cockiness as a kid, like at, you know, by this point at his age, you know, I mean, I'm trying to break through, I'm still hungry, I'm still ready to and yeah, listen to this old man talk about all the money he's had and all the there he's earned. And yeah, Like yeah. it was he was like oh, right mate. And then we had we've had we've had a fun like, we always have a funny bit about, but like I always take it as a win if I can get a little rise out of him. But Eddie, um I'm massively appreciated to him. You know, at the time with the Frost fights around, I felt like we were at war together a little bit. Everyone's tried to bring him down, no one can bring him down. You know, he's he's a, he's a formidable, he's kind force. of won people
0: over to an extent a bit now because people have realized he has a bit of banter about him. Yeah,
1: because at, at the time, like, he was appealing to a certain demographic, it was a large demographic, but it wasn't really my cup of tea. I was like, oh, he's, a, he's he's on, he's, he's at the opening of a Chris packet. Like, do you know what I mean? He's yeah. like, <laughs> I don't really appreciate his banter, whereas um, now. He's much more self assured. Like he's not so brash, and he's not so trying to prove himself. He's already proved himself. He's already the main man. So now he's a bit. He's much more at ease, and that's 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 the real him, obviously. And he's much more likable. Much maybe what people will say exactly the same about me, but he gave me the opportunities when I needed them. So after losing the battle Jack, he, get, he let me headline my own show. You know, I've done it. And obviously, I've done him a huge. Uh, New service as well, headlining, but he always gave me the opportunities. He got me on the undercard for Kelbrook. Um Kelbrook, Errol Spence for my world title shot. And um was was you know, it wasn't his doing, but it was the you know, it was it was a good yeah. fight for their undercard and it was great for me because I um sort of like I tried to go in a bit low key because, you know, I had all the pressure of the it's just another fight that I was telling myself. Yeah. And all the pressure of the other losses. This one, it's an undercard fight. Yeah, you would you well talking on the card not ideal, you know, you want to you want to arrive with a big splash, but um it was already a name. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a great great moment for me. I was fighting in someone else's arena, someone else's crowd was there. Um but yeah, Eddie. I think he's 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 he's, he's fantastic for me. So
0: are all the kind of you know the way you build a fight and you kind of get personal people in press conferences, you build that rivalry like they're never, you've never been involved in one that is just false, it's just created. Like, if you genuinely don't have an issue with a guy, you won't pretend to to sell a fight.
1: Absolutely, everything I've ever done has been genuine, you know. Um, Don't don't get me wrong, sometimes I'll think about um, what I'm going to do, so, Mm. and that's always to get a a positive reaction for myself out of it, you know. so Yeah, to put them off there. But it's never, it's never coerced between the opponent or between anyone else, it's never staged. And, it's obvious that that goes on a lot in boxing, yeah. you know, where you have these false rivalries. I mean, if I ever had a wolf with confront, absolutely not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The first time we've actually spoke nicely to each other was the other day when we were both um, we were both on a on a Sky bill at the O two. Yeah, I saw that. So that
0: third fight is that? That's not going to happen, is it? No,
1: I mean, I, I'm I'm retired now.
0: Definitely fully done. You wouldn't get in even because he's forty one. What would it be? Forty one.
1: I mean, it might be a gift. It might be <laughs> this might be the one, the one redeeming fight that you know. But right now, but even just, financially
0: speaking, to fight a forty-one-year-old for the money you get, kind of a no-brainer. You're like, well, he's forty-one.
1: Yeah, who knows? But I mean, I kind of like.
0: You're doing a speaking. I kind of though, like.
1: Yeah, we're doing a couple of speaking events. I think that 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 could be more fun. I mean, yeah. if anything, if we're gonna have a fight, we'll know after these
0: speaking <laughs> events. whether it's gonna happen or not.
1: I mean, right now, I, my mind is far from fighting. You know, I mean, I'm enjoying. I, I enjoy the the uh, the quirkiness of it, you know. Like, oh, he's retired at thirty. Yeah. Why? It's like, why not? Do you know what I mean? I want people to say, but you, I love when people say, but you could do this, you could do that. I go, yeah, I know.
0: What do you want to do now that that you're retired? It's TV?
1: Not not 100 sure. You know, I think TV is like well within my comfort zone. Um, you know, because
0: you, know, you already had the big fight, like the fight against. Yeah, Ross, you know, really I, seen anything. I, I,
1: well, I I've took I I've took a what job. Was um, so Wasserman, who looked after all, uh, originally, took care of my commercial deals, and they took care of some of my contracts as well. Negotiated. They've put together our boxing a boxing team as such, and they've asked me to come on as a boxing consultant to sign up fighters and manage their careers on the way through. So they've got they've got a few fighters already. So um, one of the consultants there is um, Charlie Sims. You know, he he's got. Uh, a lot of the matchup fighters who work out of um, out of London, out of Essex. So he's got uh, you know John Ryder, who just boxed under Canelo, Jacobs under card at the weekend. He had a great win. Um, there's a few other fighters. The one that <laughs> ideally they had that they uh, is uh, Jarrell Miller, who was uh, just um, obviously just has blown his massive opportunity mm-hmm. to fight uh, Joshua. So what do that, you fun make of me. that
0: though with, with Miller, like the the doping, like? <laughs> James DeGale had quotes recently talking about how boxing has a huge problem. And obviously in boxing, doping is much more dangerous because the effects it can have on the opponent. If you're giving someone excess strength or aggression and they're repeatedly hitting someone else in the head, it's extremely dangerous. It's a much more serious issue than it is. It's still cheating, but cycling a fucking bike, who gives a shit You're cycling a bike mm-hmm. up a mountain? Like, who cares? But if you're punching someone else in the head, doping is pretty serious. Do you reckon any of the people you fought in your day just were... Because people get... It, not everyone gets caught. Is there when you had suspicions of, you don't know, have the name names, but have you ever been fighting going, this fucker's doping here? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, you know, you never know. I mean, I'd <coughs> I like to honestly say that I don't think so. There's a couple of guys out there that I've hit with everything in the world and they won't go down. No. Yeah. It's a bit weird, <laughs> from a funny part of the world, this fella. Or, uh, yeah, no, you know, um, cause it's such a serious accusation. Yeah. I genuinely don't think I've ever boxed anyone who's, who's been doping. Um, but but it's a terrible thing, you know? So it's it's a concern. It should be a concern of, of, of fighting. Yeah, no? it's very dangerous, especially people with family. And it's, um, you know, you can, tell, you can tell who don't have a clue what they're doing. And if you don't know what you're doing, I'd imagine in, in terms of doping, then it ain't probably going to help you much else anyway, yeah. you know? But these guys that are, that are doing it <coughs> with, like, doctors and scientists on yeah. their side, you know, like, because... I, I, I think, right, so because so I boxed elite level amateur, I was in the Olympic system, Olympic setup, I was getting tested from early doors. So, like, there was no hiding it for it. I couldn't, because my my, my uh, conception of it, a general consensus of it, I think, is that um, you take a bit for a fight. This will make you better for this fight. But it's not, if you're going to take a performance enhancing drug at 19 years old, but You're not going to get tested until you're 25, fighting for a world title. Then, that 19 to 23, say you are making significant enhancements in your in your in yourself, you know, in your yeah. abilities, in your strength, in your power, in your speed, and all these other attributes that will have a positive effect when you get to the top end. Yeah, yeah. So, even if you stop before you start getting tested, yeah, it
0: made you, get you, to you that exactly
1: level. you are that much better. Whereas, you know, I was tested con- consecutively. Uh, Consistently throughout my career, because like once I got to British title level, because I was in a massive high profile fight, I was yeah. tested, you know, then I signed up for um, like Ucad, which is the UK version, which is a fantastic um, governing body or whatever they are, yeah. because you know they have fantastic integrity, they they stick to their task, they they do their job diligently, so you you know you're you're susceptible to random drug testing. I tend to let people know where I was. Every I, if I was sleeping somewhere else, I had to fill in a form, or I had to go online and put it in the app, and all these other things. I signed up for VADA for the for the tournament, or even before then, once I became WBC ranked. So I was I was tested consistently throughout my whole career. But there's loads of fighters out there that are not, and um, you should you should be on the system straight away. I know it's an expensive system, but the second the second you you, you turn pro, you should be signed up for random drug testing yeah. so like you know if they can you never know and that will keep so many so many fighters out there honest so and, and on it
0: just before we finished up um just in terms of if you could change one thing in your career like the, the biggest regret what, what, what do you reckon you'd have that, that as because it can't really be a mistake can it it can't really be letting someone off, yeah you out. <sighs>
1: Yeah, I regret, I regret dropping that left hand just to throw that big right yeah. hand. I mean, that, <coughs> tactically, yeah, you know, I should have been switched on at that point and I switched off because I know that he he steps left and he's going to throw that big right hand and the, the left arm follows his arm are quite long, deceptively long. He's a little bit taller than he, than he is.
0: He Did feel the public responsibility, in a way, take away your focus from the actual fight? Like, if it was... You were were you more dominant in the first fight because it was more low key. Did you feel the need to sell the fight in a way it just took that one or two percent of focus off you in the ring?
1: I think I think yeah maybe definitely. I mean I did a lot of there's some stuff that I shouldn't have done like some stuff that so that so that's that's a regret you know um you know one sponsor might pay you. I mean I got phenomenal amount of money in terms of what's out there for boxers in particular. Yeah. Um, in terms of like um sponsorship for that fight, uh, but they all come with um. Media obligations, you know. So, for every future fight, I never made as much as sponsorship because I took out all the media obligations. You know, yeah. they, wanted, they want if they want they want an interview with me, they come to the press conference and they get it at the end of the press conference. Yeah, okay, so I don't yeah. have to take a day off to do it. Yeah, no photo shoots, no more, no um, gaming appearances, none of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, Unless yeah, it yeah. was out of out of camp, you know, uh, not not before a fight. But the, when you're most relevant, as you say, is fight week when. Um, Chris Eubank Jr. is doing doing pad sessions with you know the, the Manchester Pretty first small, team. Yeah. You know, I was like, like mm, no, i would stay in bed, mate, have a rest, <laughs> you know, eat your food. I mean I I couldn't do it fight week. I was too tight on the weight. I was a miserable, miserable fucker and I had to be uh on it. But um that's what I regret. You know, I, I think I had to leave Adam Booth at the stage. When I did, and I don't regret what, well, don't regret that for one second, because I feel like we wouldn't have made it through that camp. So I, I, made, a, I made, I made, a decision to to cut this, cut this, uh, this infection out. Yeah, you know, root, root, and stem. Like God, right? Let's go again. And I went with my own, I went with my gut for that fight. Everything I did, I did with the experiences I gained already, and with total self belief. And I, and I, and I designed everything. You know, I designed. I found myself a new gym. I brought in my new. Trainer, I brought in a conditioning coach that had no, no qualifications. He was um, Barry O'Connor, ex Royal Marine. So, you know, I said, I'll oh, make me teak tough. I thought that at the time I was obsessed with being teak tough. I was thinking, how do I get, how do I just get strong, like just like manly, fucking barbarian? Yeah, strong. Yeah, yeah, and then I, I already had a, a really good strength conditioning coach, Dan Lawrence, who now works with a lot of the um, amateur and fighters. So, and I designed. The programme as such, I said what days we're punching, what days we're running, what days we're doing this, what days I did. I designed my own, a lot of my own conditioning sessions. I decided what I'm going to say at the press conferences, what, how much money I want, how much... I was, it was... He it was brilliant. And it almost worked. Uh, and I was shattered at the end of it because I hadn't got what I wanted and I hadn't got the result that I needed. So then it was like, right, I'm going to start delegating a bit more putting more responsibilities on other people and then uh and that didn't work <laughs> so i was like well maybe i wasn't doing it properly so i'll give more delegations I'm like okay i'll give you more and more responsibilities let people design more and more stuff and um really i should just go with my gut because by the time by the time i lost to badu jack i knew win lose or draw in this fight i'm parting ways with sort of this coach yeah. this boxing yeah, yeah, coach yeah, yeah. ideally i win a world title no hard feelings Way well, we go thanks very much for all your help appreciate it let's go but um that wasn't be the case so my regret would be hanging around too long i should i should have changed coaches i should have gone with a real experienced coach pre-batter jack i, sh- I should have gone with shaman wiggum pre-batter jack
0: was that was that an option
1: not, not 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 an option like it was spoke about um he wasn't even really on my radar. What well, would've happened
0: if you beat Badu Jack though differently, really? You would've just kind of... I would I
1: would've would left the coach, definitely, Paddy. I,
0: I... Yeah, but you still would have been in the super series probably still. Oh so if I beat Badu Jack against...
1: if I beat Badu Jack I would have um on world champion I would have fought James Degale. Okay, yeah. So James Dow was IBF World Champion, I would've been WBC World Champion, that would have been a, a huge Is that fight
0: that could still possibly, possibly happen?
1: No, I think I think the Gal genuinely is kind of a, a shot fighter. Yeah. You know, it's it's a real real horrible expression but um, he's looked he's deteriorated significantly since he boxed Banu Jack so he got a draw against Banu Jack but that was on a uh, Al Heyman card they were both Al Heyman fighters in fact uh, Banu Jack isn't even an Al Heyman fighter he signed him to uh, Floyd Mayweather yeah. so they are one and the same but gal was the home home fighter then and he had the knockdown the first round but then he had the torrid time, and he was over in the last. He lost his teeth. <laughs> he looked an yeah. absolute mess. Um, he was lucky to get a draw, and then since then he he he's never been the same. And he um, two dogged terrible fights with one one win, one loss against Caleb Truax, who, in all fairness, is, should never be in in his sort of league, and then. um my boxer and Eubank. Was it him
0: or Eubank who didn't want you in the commentary box for the uh, for the fight? I was DK Was it yeah? yeah.
1: yeah you, me and Eubank are kind of alright. Like what I like about Eubank is he kind. We 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 might be on similar wavelengths in terms of the way we approach the business. You know, we we sort of. We might be a bit, maybe even a bit stuck up trying to have a little superior look down yeah. on us but we like to pull strings we like to push buttons we like to we like to engage we like to create we like to be um, you know uh, get get people get people involved what is isn't, you know where we differ is like you know I think he's his ambition is obviously fame and as much as I appreciate fame i, I i do it in my own way you know I feel.
0: did you find fame changed at all or did you keep <coughs> did you stay mates with the same people even before Frotch 2 and all did, did your life change at all on a personal note
1: yeah no it definitely did you know I've got I've got I've got those those friends those brilliant friends that when we see them we don't talk about boxing you
0: know yeah that's,
1: that's it I've got I've got I'm one of my best mates Luke here. I know him through boxing he loves boxing he uh he, he always wants to talk about boxing but we talk about loads of other shit as well because yeah. that's that's that the release I I quickly try to change the subject but he wants to know yeah. about the Golovkin fight or whatever so but then you have you have some friends that become fans and that's really weird because yeah. you don't get to because you're not seeing them enough you know you get through you quickly get through the chit chat of you know, day to day stuff, and then it's. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Or oh, they're texting you about stuff that they've seen online. And it's yeah. like you kind of even like family. Like it's kind of like you can never say to someone you're a fan because you don't want to call anyone a fan. A fan is yeah. like a fanatic, but that's kind of how it goes. It's a bit weird because they went. I went from beating James the Gale and then maybe getting recognised when I go places to being in the Frops fight. I get recognized everywhere and people come was up. It, to was
0: me. that paparazzi kind of gig then after that? Like nearly?
1: For, I mean Frotch after Frotch one, I mean I had people like people go, George, oh, Georgia, come up. They're, they're like they want to give you a cuddle. Like they're almost emotional. They're like, yeah. oh but then after Frotch two was when it got really weird. So that was like such a big fight. So it went from like people recognised you coming up to you and saying, Oh, how you doing? to so people recognizing you and just casually slowly taking a s like a picture of you. And you're like you're three feet away from me, mate. Like, just come over and say hello, or call me a wanker, or whatever you want to do. But yeah. don't, don't take a picture of me. Like, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm on holiday yeah. in Vegas. Like, yeah. real, my wife, I'm having a beer by the pool. I'm fat. I'm out of shape. Don't take a picture <laughs> of me. Like, and like, you think? I remember one. Like, literally, it was after after the fight. I had a family holiday, but my, my mates came. Uh, my mum and dad came. Like, it was a, a big, big, good crowd of us We were sitting in. Where do we stay? I think we stayed at the area at the pool. You know, guts hanging out now, living living my best life as yeah. such, miserable. Uh, and the guys are tweeting pictures of me, like, from across the way. And I can I see on the tweet that, from the angle the photo's taken, I'm looking, at am like, oh, for fuck's sake, I'm going to have to go and say something. Say, mate, if you're going to take a photo, let me at least suck my belly in first.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, What is the buzz now you're retired in terms of training? Because, like, you, you mustn't, like, have that much of a love for training. Because if you see a gym, you must associate it with pain and just fucking can't wait till it's over. So is it hard for a boxer, once you've trained to that level, to just be one of those casual gym goers who bangs out three sets on the bench, a few lap pulls down, and fucks off,
1: Yeah, we? I mean, like when you're a competing fighter, you're battling the scales, what I was. I was always battling the scales. Like, oh, so it's always a numbers game. Like, Why is that, you know? If the number was good, but the body shape looked shit, I wouldn't really care so much. Yeah. If the body looked good, but the, the scales were bad, I went, I went over the arm. Now it's like, I don't care. It's almost like the opposite. Yeah. I get on the scales and I don't, I don't care about the number. I'm just I'm only going on the scales to compare it to what it looks like in the mirror. Yeah. But um, in terms of going to the gym, like I'm kind of a perfectionist as probably most people are. Um, no, not a perfectionist, but you want to be good. If you're going to do something, you want to yeah. do it well. And... I'm so far off being good in the gym. Yeah, that like it's kind of like
0: oh. So you oh. gonna let yourself Ricky Hatton, or are you gonna one day go right? No, and go back? I, you
1: know I, um, I'm not any fat. You know but I don't, <laughs> don't want to be fat. I think I'll go gym. I'll thicken out. I already, I already have. You know I thicken out. I don't want to get. I don't wanna, I'll keep the body fat percentage. Within reason, yeah. I Try and keep it under twenty percent, and then uh, we're good to go. But uh, so I've been going to the gym. Been down at Shane's. Uh, we 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 try and lift like three times a week.
0: Is he on to you about fighting again, or does he respect that? no
1: you're finished? No, We I, I, I went out for dinner, and he might have sensed it was coming. But I said like, uh, I'm gonna call it a day, mate. And he was brilliant. He was totally supportive of me. You know, he said, I, I get it. It's right. You got a young family at home. You know, you sh- you should you should go do it because. I've been through the rebuilding stage so many times, you know. Like,
0: yeah, there's not many I, other I, careers I, that had to literally restart and re like after the t- your losses were of such high magnitude, and that kind of, in a way, will be your legacy. That kind of yeah. coming back from nowhere.
1: You go like I go from fighting at Wembley Stadium. I'm on a percentage of profits. You know, I bought a house with that money. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then three months later, I'm fighting at Wembley. What What I do you get, get out paid. of the
0: gate though? Like, what do you get pay per views and gate?
1: So yeah, they just total it off. So and profit. So percentage. so where money comes in is, the major money is obviously ticket sales, um, TV revenue, and then you have got maybe some sponsorship, some merchandise.
0: So of everything, literally, you're on a percent of that. Yeah. What like each fighters on what one percent each?
1: No no no, that'd be the main event. So that's kind of, that's kind of a new thing. So it'd be that, usually. So Joshua will Joshua will be Joshua. I don't know his contract. So. so I'm... I'm I'm Just assuming, but yeah. he'll be, he's he, he he will pay his opponents a purse, so he will say because there's no one. Oh, he's his gonna...
0: event, like it's like he's nearly like a musician to an extent, like
1: so. He'll have his undercard costs, so they'll each be on a purse. Then you've got uh, arena hire, you've got you know, it might be catering, VIP, hospitality, the but it's match room to pay
0: them, not Joshua.
1: A match run the event, yeah, so it's, it goes into match room's pot and then. Uh, say 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 Joshua's Joshua's profits on the next show is ten million pounds. Um, Joshua takes the ten. He'll have to pay Matcham a percentage. So Matcham essentially work for Joshua in that respect.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and then he'll have to say so might pay, that that might be off the top. So say he pays Matcham twenty percent, likely as he pays him less. He would then take eight million. Then out of his eight million, he starts start paying out for a stuff he he ta- he he takes on so it'd be a coach a manager a lawyer a nutritionist a- yeah.
0: do you think fans are kind of deluded across the board like in terms of like back in the day in that kind of like post-war world it was all great to kind of fight for your reputation or have fucking Bobby Charlton and these boys drinking with the fans after but like every other walk of life whether it be finance, law anything work for money so That's the way sports is, really. Like, would Joshua kind of rather make sure he's financially set up than make sure he fought people at the right time so when he's 45 he can sit back going, oh, look, I fought Fury in this peak, I fought Wilder. Would he rather go look, I'm a fucking 50% owner of Sky Boxing, I don't give a shit. And it's kind of Mayweather and these guys learn from watching the collapses of like Mike Tyson and Mayweather literally becoming his own brand and McGregor now opening Whiskey, has a fighter's ambition now actually to be, because fighters have been fucked over by people their whole life, that's the way combat sports was. People like Don King manipulating people. But now has it got to a stage where the fighter wants to kind of make sure that's not happening again and that's kind of why we're seeing less high quality fights because these people just want to solidify and make sure that they're the ones who are gaining from what they're putting their bodies through, as opposed to other people.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's it, you got you got you got to be asked a question on on a, on a personal level because first, like, when you first start out, what are your primary objectives, and. At seven years old, I wanted to be the greatest fighter of all time. You know, at 14 years old, I wanted to be the greatest fighter of all time. At 21 years old, I wanted to get paid. <laughs> really? You know really? That young? At 20 years old. Not like, not that, I still wanted to be the greatest fighter of all time. Yeah. But like for my debut fight, was I going to take the four grand off of my this person or the 12 grand off of my this person? I'll go the 12 grand. 12 yeah, grand the yeah. fight, you know? And then you always, you've, it's not easy. You've got to take the forward steps. You know, sometimes you've got to take the bum money because it's the right route. You've got to, take, you've got to pay more for the opponent because he's the right opponent for you. But you've got to be matched correctly because it's a short career and yeah. you you don't need you don't need life and death fights from the get-go. And um, if you come up with some, some memorable nights and you feel like you've earned it, then brilliant. You've done your job. And, and someone like Andy Joshua, at his stage... I'm pretty sure he would, he would pick the fights over the money. If he could get the same same money for fighting Andy Ruiz or f- same money for fighting um, Tyson Fury, he's still making money. He he will take the Joshua fight. Is he um, the best British take, um, heavyweight
0: you've seen? Like who is of your era since you've been watching? Like do you think he's better than Lewis? No. No.
1: I th- I th- I think <coughs> heavyweight is boxing and heavyweight boxing, and um. It's just, it's just that Lewis was from that era. Do you know what I mean, like he, he, you know, obviously he, he thought Tyson when Tyson was way past his best. Yeah, you know, because there was on rival TV channels. Uh, and Lewis
0: done a stint in the fucking slime Yeah,
1: shit, you know, man. like but but Lewis, Lewis had managed his career exceptionally well, and he's probably getting more accolade for it since he's retired. Yeah, at the time, Everybody he was in criticized the time,
0: like Joshua is nearly. You really
1: gave him stick? You know. Um,
0: even holyfield wasn't in his peak really was he when they when they fought
1: no no he wasn't was he and um so yeah i mean H- Holyfield, holyfield's peak was, was before them yeah. I mean, he was like tyson yeah. et cetera so yeah you know but I, i just think he was a big a big well schooled well trained heavyweight olympic champion, dealt with all the problems that came his way and um i just feel like he was he was a much more all rounded, skilled operator. Yeah. Um Joshua, to his credit, um, I, th- I think he's the best in the world right now. I think he's just got phenomenal punch power.
0: He's just so good. What big. about Fury's technique though? You think the time off has made him worse? But or do you think he's lost that kind of technical excellence? Do you just you don't you don't think a boxer can take two and a half years out of a gym?
1: Well, no, not really. I mean it, if you're going to abuse your body, it will have a detrimental effect. You know what I mean? You can't say, oh yeah, I'll come back, I'm better than ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um I mean, what he, what he originally tested positive for, for performance enhancing drugs, he, he, uh, I can't remember what, what drug it was now, but he blamed it on wild meat or something. He was eating in Belgium or something. <laughs> something real, it was real strange and he contested the decision. Um, I think whoever the testing body had was having none of it. They said no. And he served a two-year backdated um, ban. But, know, people don't remember that. They remember they think he was depressed and he was stiff okay cocaine. Yeah, so exactly, yeah. um I'm sure he was he was depressed and was stiff okay, cocaine, <laughs> but it might have been because he was T because he just tested positive <laughs> yeah, yeah. for a bad substance. So he was probably going off the rails, obviously, way back then, you know, and um he he was really struggling to find his own. He he took you know Maverick and a sport to a certain degree. Um fascinating to listen to, to watch, controversial, which is you know Good and bad, and then you know, had his and his his defining moment, so you know, was beating um,
0: Klitschko away, Klitschko
1: away on you that scorecard, absolutely card, though. bamboozled him, yeah. you know, um, got in his head, um, got the job done, you know, and he and that was a that was a younger Klitschko than fought Anthony Joshua, and, yeah, and and uh,
0: um, and it was away, yeah, it was a so crazy, it result. was um,
1: you know, fair fair play to it because he's so big do you know what i mean there's not that many there's not that many fighters out there of his size who can actually
0: fight you know? and move
1: yeah you know who could who could, who could do it who yeah. understand it you know so you you know there's heavyweight boxing because they're over fourteen stone or whatever it is but these guys are like you know Tyson, uh, Tyson coming at 19 stone do you know what I mean yeah, and, he, yeah. and he wouldn't you wouldn't really know the difference you wouldn't go oh, he looks fat today because yeah, he never yeah. really looks he's not chiseled is he so yeah, exactly. you know these these they're just, they're just massive massive guys and if they can fight a bit then they're always going to be able to beat the other guys in front of them so obviously Joshua another big guy Deontay Wilder is a big guy though he's he's losing weight rapidly he needs to put some more muscle on but um, I think they're, the, they're that's why they're the three that set apart from the rest
0: it would be great to see um, Joshua hopefully getting the ring at one of them soon. And obviously, George, it's been, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Um, A, a great of British boxing who gave us as fans many great moments and in a way changed the face of modern British boxing, a guy who never knew when he was beaten. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on again. Hey, I'm sure. cut that.